Mike Murphy, uh-huh. Fred Hubner, He's back. Murph and Fred, back together again on ESPN <laughs> 1000. Uh, one week removed from uh, St. Patrick's Day and Frederick O'Hubner was your name last week. Oh, okay. Even though you weren't here. Uh-huh. How you doing, everybody? Yeah, got a couple uh, post St. Patrick's Day stories, but busy day. Glad you're with us. I'm Murphy. He's Fred Hubner. Oh, the bagpipes are back. Are they still out on the street there, Eric? Oh, my goodness. Those they were out there in Peoria oh. on Saturday last week. I'll tell you that. You had your uh, yearly. Uh, yeah, for your, the state high school tournament. Your annual. Yep. I heard you talking about it this week, and you had some suggestions. Maybe we'll get to those later. You had some good ideas for the old IHSA. If yeah, if they would ever listen to anybody but themselves. They're kind of like every other big league, you know. We can do it. We can figure it out. Uh No, you can't. You screwed it up once already. Lots of Loyola talk today, obviously. The Ramblers. Yeah, we'll ramble on in just a minute or two. Just so you know, too, we've got the game for you here tonight at 5 o'clock. But before the game, Mm. Adam Abdallah, Chris Black, a two-hour pregame from 3 until 5, leading you up to Loyola basketball. 3-3-2-3-7-7-6 is your number to call. We'll break it up with pl- so much to do today. I'm glad you're back, Fred. Uh, worked by myself last week, and I got home, and uh, I said, I'm tired. Dana <laughs> goes, but, it, but you're off at 1030. Yeah. I go, hmm. So I guess I talked the same well, amount. Well, let's see. You, did, you, 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 you <laughs> had to work twice as hard, but right. you worked half the time. Is that good or bad? So it's about the same. Well, that's what I would have thought. <laughs> right. So I got home. I got home tired. Uh huh. Why are you tired? So, okay, I don't know. Hour and a half. Strenuous. I was digging ditches during each commercial break. Sure. I told her she knew that was not possible. Uh, oh, bring those bagpipes back if you would. There, EO eleven. Eric Ostrowski uh, with us as always. EO eleven. So we had plenty of action out the window. Saturday, Fred. Oh, yeah, there was a bunch of, yeah. Oh, people down here. Pipes and yeah. people I, marching. And, I yeah. got to my uh, Metra about 6.30 in the morning. And usually, and I told this on the air, so I'll compress this, but you know, I drive into the little parking lot there at the Metra way out in the boonies, and I'm usually the only car. There's cars everywhere. Sure. I'm going, what's going on? There's an apartment building across the street, like a lot of the suburbs do, you know, by the train station. Yeah. You know? And I think, well, maybe the apartment building, maybe they are uh, remodeling or, or painting or blacktopping the parking areas so everyone had to park somewhere else, you know, Saturday, Friday uh-huh. night, whatever. No. The train's jammed already with people wearing green stuff, right? Sure. Okay, that's fine. And they're walking back and forth here. Now, I leave the show here, 1030, heading back towards the good old Union Station. Yep. It's about four blocks over and four blocks over. You know, you go down to about Adams and you turn right. It's an eight-block walk. And there are people. I never, it reminded me, and Fred, you used to do, I, I'm sure, over over time, the old uh, Taste of Chicago live uh, oh, shows. Oh, sure. Sure. Yeah, those were. Those were interesting, horrible. Yeah, uh-huh. then you'd leave the you'd leave the like I would be there. I know ten till two. Yeah, Saturdays and Sundays. You'd leave the taste and you'd walk leave the to taste. a group of people that you'd head west. Yeah, you'd head west from the taste They're towards like crazy. downtown towards Michigan yeah. Avenue, and there'd be and I don't like to use the word literally too often because uh, people literally misuse it. Uh huh. There's literally hundred thousand people coming at you. On like Randolph right. and Madison or Adams or Jackson, whatever you're on. And you're like, I'm the only guy swimming upstream. Yep. Excuse me, boom. Finally, you know, you got to, I found it. I went way around it. You know, did the sure. end around. Sure. Same thing Saturday last week. I'm heading towards Union Station. There's people coming like there's, you know, they're handing out free beer. Yeah. Downtown. 
but they already had their beer. They were croisin' already. Fully croisin', uh-huh. not half croisin'. No, no. So I get to Union Station, and they're, you know, every train coming in from the suburbs, and they're get, it's fun, fine. They're all having a great time, you know. They Nin- took the train. They were smart. 99% were probably in the uh, 22 to 32 demo. Okay. Yeah. And they're, but they're already not just, as you say, half lit. They're fully lit. Yep. All right? Now, here's what happens. So they're coming off the train, and I'm, again, the only one swimming upstream, sure, right? Sure, So I actually stand off to the side. Hopefully, there'll be a break in the next wave, but the trains keep coming. They keep coming. But here's what's unbelievable. Now it's about, what, 11 in the morning. Okay. And they're just coming in from wherever they're coming in from, right? Two different occasions I see this one. And they all, they're all in packs. That's the thing. You're in packs. Yeah. That's fine. Okay. So two times, carbon copies, here's a pack of four young women, right? Yeah. And they're coming at me, except here's the thing. They're not four across, or two and two. Here's what they are. There's two of them, and in front of them is the one that's already drunk. Right. And they're both holding her up between them, right? <laughs> okay. Right. But you know where the fourth one is? Walking in front of the drunk one, uh-huh. walking backwards, holding a big... That's nice. That's both of both of, they're already And it was noon. No, it no, was, it was a, not it, it was, was like eleven. Because yeah. I left you at ten thirty. Sure. They're both times they're already using the bucket. Because sure I don't want to upset everybody's stomach having your yeah. Cheerios this morning. I'm sure they had a very, very fun day already. What was gonna happen? where were they it's gonna be three, four, five more hours? And the one in the middle they're holding up is already yeah. using the bucket that the fourth friend is walking backwards in front of holding the big white bucket like you turn upside down and bang with the uh, yep. with the drumsticks yeah. at the ballparks mm-hmm. and yeah. I can happily say I've never had to use the bucket. No. No. Three three two three seven seven six. Never had to have my friends help carry me either. No. They hey, just left me there. Let's take a look at the uh, You mer- fall, you stay. I can't imagine what the next five hours are going to be for, yeah. for those people. Uh, Murph and Fred fan focus group Twitter poll. Let's get some uh, action going right now. Vote at ESPN 1000. All right. Today is Loyola Ramblers Day on the Twitter poll. All right. Here's the rarely used Loyola University Chicago LUC. Is that what they're called? LUC, it? yeah. If you, if you go to their website, it's luc.edu. Yeah. Here's the rarely uh, heard or seen uh, or voted upon Loyola Twitter poll. Last time I heard this uh, song was 85. That's right. Yep. And 63 last time uh-huh. before that. We won. That we I won heard. the ball game. You pulled a little Red Rush out yes, the other day. Yes, I did. Uh huh. Thanks to Eric. Eric helped find it. Eric, so. you know who Red Rush is now? Yeah. I do now, yes. Okay. Uh-huh. Well, that's all, also, uh, Phil Rosenthal did a great article mm-hmm. about him yeah. the other day. Except Phil forgot that he also did the Chicago Cougars hockey team that well, my dad was the executive producer of. I think Red even forgot that. No, no, no. Because he was doing his good, good canela hearth-baked bread. Eric, you ever hear Ganella bread? It's still around. It's terrific. Yeah, it's still a bread. It is. It they, is. They, it's they still a, a bread. They were a major sponsor, as Fred was pointing out, for the uh, sports teams, uh, the minor teams, if, if you will, in college. And this red rush was amazing. Maybe you can pull some of that back up before uh, noon today. Uh, EO11 will steal Fred's stick. No, no, probably... good stuff. Okay. And uh, Loyola fans probably can't get enough of it. Jerry Harkness. You know, 
He was sitting courtside for the game the I other know. day. You yep. look terrific. Yep. And the Ganella bread, this is the one I remember. This Red Rush, this Red Rush was terrific. He was a paint-the-picture play-by-play guy back in the day. And they had a sponsorship, which for a while the FCC disallowed. I don't know if you knew that. There was a long time when you were not allowed in radio to have a sponsor for a play in the game. In oh, okay. Words, for an example. Well, thank goodness I got rid of that because now you got the uh, such and such slam <laughs> dunk. Know, and, think about it. Yeah, this turning point of the game and all those things. <laughs> in fact, old White Sox fans will remember uh, the Sox had a guy named uh, Bob Elson. Yes, he was He was the <laughs> and, most boring. Here's the pitch. Ball one. <laughs> Jeez, come on. <laughs> Peg over the first. Back in time. How long did it take? to throw ball the first, Bob. Yeah, anyway. But there was a sponsor. Look him up, right? This, Hall of Fame right there. This was uh, back in the day. Home runs were very rare back when I was a kid, all right? And uh, if a White Sox player hit a home run, he would well, go, Minnie Minoso at the plate, back home run, Minoso. That's a white owl wallop and a box of white owl cigars. Yep. They would actually award Minnie Minoso a box of White Owl cigars or any Sox player who hit a home run. Yep. I often thought they'd just like, throw it down from the press box like a Frisbee and you know, try to land it right at yeah, home Yeah, no, plate. no. It was probably in their locker when they got back. So Red Rush, the old Loyola, Loyola Ramblers, Ganella Bread, and he had a lot of little catchphrases. He sure did. But uh, uh, there'd be a, uh, a certain long shot. No three-pointers back then. And I think he might have coined this phrase, Red Rush, swisheroo, it goes through. Uh-huh. He goes, swisheroo, maybe Jerry Harkness, you just, swisheroo, it goes through. Remember this? Two more points on the Ganella scoreboard. Yep. Yeah. Sponsored all. Yeah. He had Ganella, it's Swella, fella. I remember that. Yep. Pretty soon he has. He eyes it, he tries it, he buys it. I don't remember that yep. one. Yep. Yeah. Uh-huh. It was uh, tremendous. A great, great announcer. Pretty soon, for some reason, the FCC had always heard this. I think it's not anecdotal. I think it's legit, not an urban legend. Then they banned that for, for quite a while. Yeah, probably, the FCC, what do they know? Uh, that was not me that said that. Plugola Paola scandal. Sure, sure. Eo, you ever hear of the, uh, when you were taking the, uh, those radio courses at uh, wherever, did you ever hear the uh, Plugola and Paola stories uh, from back in the day? I can't say I was told stories, but I, I do know what it is. Yes, yes, yeah. yes, we all know what it is. The DJs would play the hot uh, songs if they got paid under the table to play them. Someone will tell you, and I will not. I, I cannot. Uh, I cannot. You know, clarify this, or I cannot uh-huh. confirm this. Okay. But the uh, song "Lady" by Sticks is a song that comes up quite often. Is a song that may have been uh, may have been popular because of uh, Plugola. I'll just, like I said, I just, it's just a rumor I heard. Those I can't nice, confirm. Those nice Southside boys that that's uh, right. everyone uh, grew up loving uh-huh. on the Southside. Yeah, that's just, uh-huh. just a rumor. It might have been on this frequency or the other frequency, right? Yeah, J.Y. and Dennis DeYoung and uh-huh. the Panazzo brothers. And uh, yeah, so, you know, we'll see. It doesn't matter now. It's still a hit. Okay. It's not uh, Phil Panazzo with Panazzo brothers' uh, f- famous funeral. Uh? They're, they're uh, relatives, I okay, think. Okay, cool. Yeah. Loyola, the Ramblers, let's go to a Twitter poll. Are people voting yet? I didn't even say vote now at ESPN 1000. They know what to do. All right, vote now. smart listeners. The uh, Loyola Ganella Twitter poll. uh, uh Uh-oh. 
Is that okay? Is that plug all up? <laughs> Only if we get free bread. Yes, and we that's not going to happen. Don't let the guy in with the free bread, you know. I'm not uh, <laughs> looking to have a plugola payola problem here today. The uh, Murph and Fred fan focus group Twitter poll, Ganella Salaswella. <laughs> Got a little red rush in me today. All right, number one, multiple choice. Who's your favorite rambler? A, B, C, D, E, A, Clayton Custer. Okay. B, Ben Richardson. They were buddies in back to third grade, those two. C, Marcus Towns. Hit that late, that late uh, shot. Little sidestep to the left. Beautiful move. Dante Ingram won the game, won game number one. Yes, with he the, did. With the three ball, put him up. Uh, or E, who's your favorite Rambler? E, the 1951 Nash Rambler. <laughs> Good luck voting for E. Well, we only have four spots, right. so that's not on the... Uh... Uh-huh. Eric, did you ever see a 1951 Nash Rambler? Googling it right now. I'm curious. No. And I know a lot of cars, too. My, my dad's first car. It was the smallest, cheapest automobile made in the United States. The Nash Rambler. It was about the size of a refrigerator on its side with four wheels. That's actually bigger than some cars out there now. Bigger than some of the Fiats and the smart cars. Yes. Yeah. You've got a sub zero. <laughs> Don't want to hear about your private life. So the Nash Rambler 1951 was probably sold for about seven hundred dollars. It was this was the ugliest car and the smallest it was uh two remember two tone cars was yellow and maroon. Oof. Well that would be perfect. Well they couldn't get rid of it probably. So yeah. here here, Phil, you want this? Yellow for the lemon. And uh, maroon, I think, because my dad went to Morton, and that was the color. Well, those are, and those are the colors of the Loyola Ramblers. Well, of course, you're right. Uh, yep. Oh, I forgot the yellow part. Yes. Uh huh. So the '51 Nash Rambler was the exact color. Could have called it the Loyola. Yep. Vote now. A, B, C, or D. Who's your favorite Rambler? Number two. This is a little more esoteric. Put your thinking cap on before you vote for this one. Loyola Ramblers. They're winning. They're winning due to A, B, C, or D. A, coaching. B, talent and skill. C, luck. D, a miracle from above. <laughs> uh, no, 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 don't laugh. That's a very, I think, viable uh, uh, choice there. A, B, C, or D. Vote now. If you want to vote on the radio, 332-3776. The best line all week by uh, Sister Jean. Uh, there's a ton of them. When she was on Good Morning America, she said, I always pray for our team. I pray for the other team, too, but not as much. I heard that. Oh, my. And Robin, <laughs> Robin Roberts was laughing quite a, quite a lot there. It was very funny. Three on the uh, Loyola Twitter poll today. Question number three. Do you like the nickname Ramblers? Yes or no? Very simple. All right. So who's your favorite Rambler? It's so much better than Wildcats. Loyola's winning due to uh, what? I agree. <laughs> Isn't Wildcats like the most used uh, well, the uh, other college day, nickname? The other day, there were two Wildcats facing each other on oh, Thursday yeah. night. And Greg Gumbel asked Charles Barkley, who do you like in this game? He said the Wildcats. Not realizing they're both Wildcats. Mm-hmm. So. Little mix-up there in the uh, thought process on the question. Yeah. Well, Greg Like Gumbel, we do, like know. all of our Twitter poll questions. And I, I don't quite understand the whole pie and candy and donuts and uh, cupcake thing they're doing on 
on there. I understand the Sweet 16, but I don't I don't get it. I watch it and I don't get it. Yeah. But that's just me. Is that the wagers or is that just the uh, have them around? I, I don't know. I think because they're hungry. If you if you look at Greg Gumbel mm-hmm. and Barkley, and I think they're just hungry. I used to think it was Greg Gumball. Yeah. So maybe that's why they're giving gumballs out. You know, there's two gumballs. They're both from Chicago. Yes, they are. Greg and... Uh, Bryant. Bryant. Brian, Bryant. Bryant with a T. I've met Greg. He's a wonderful fellow. He seems like he's a nice guy. You didn't say that with full enforcement. Not at all. <laughs> Not at all. Moving along. I heard a story that his mother's would let, his mother oh, would yeah. let you see. Is that going to be on the Fred O. Hubner podcast? I just something I had heard. Day? I don't know. She, that was many, many years ago. Three three two three seven seven six. Who's your favorite rambler? Clayton Custer, Ben Richardson, Marcus Towns, Dante Ingram, or the uh, 1951 Nash Rambler. Number two, Loyola is winning due to coaching, talent, and skill. Ruts are ruck, luck, and a miracle from above. Number oh, three. Thank God. <laughs> you, do you like the nickname Ramblers? Yes or no? Now hold that thought, please, Fred. Now, this is a note from uh, somewhere. The ninth-seeded uh, Wildcats and the 11th-seeded Ramblers will face off 5 o'clock today for a spot in the Final Four. Now, here. Here's the phrase that pays. And when they do, it'll be the highest seed total. Right. 11 plus 9 would be uh, <clears throat> 20. The highest seed total for a regional final since the tournament was first seeded in 1979. All right. I was around then. And I was around in 1978. Well, 1979, isn't that the year what Larry, Larry Bird and uh, Magic Johnson, I think, isn't it? Yeah. Well, didn't... How come they didn't Paul and Penn also went to the uh, Final Four that year. Not Sean. DePaul, Penn, mm-hmm. Indiana State, and uh, Michigan State. So... Prior to 1979, there was what? No seeding? How did they do the brackets? How did? Good question. That's what, and I've been seeing this everywhere, but no one explains it to me, Lucy. It says again, the ninth seeded uh, Wildcats, uh, K State, and the eleventh uh, seeded Ramblers. Uh, add that up; it's 20. That's the highest seed. I'll tell you why. Total for a regional final since the tournament was first seeded. Uh, in 1979. Well, they only had 10 seeds. Did you Google this already? Yeah. How'd you do that so quickly? And they only had 10 seeds. What in, did you uh, put in? Why is it seeded? No, what? I just put NCAA 79 tournament. There were only, there were 10 seeds. There were 40 teams. <clears throat> but they still had the four uh, regions and brackets, no? Yeah, but 10. They didn't have seeding? They didn't have a 1 and a 10 no, and they a did. 2 and a 9? Yeah, they did. So... This is not... Yeah, I don't know where you read that. I didn't see that, that here, part since it was seated. Here, see, here, hold this. I saw it a few times, or heard it a few times, and this is, uh, I believe, uh, yesterday or today in Sun-Times reports. Didn't make sense. Well, then I have to look at the 78 one, because in 79 they were seated, so I don't know what 78 would have been. Next. Loyola Twitter Since we've poll. confused everybody, including myself. I usually say, I wouldn't have brought this up last week when I was alone. Uh-huh. Because you always have the answer to everything. Let's see here. Like lovely Dana says, ask Fred, he'll know. 
Yeah, 78 tournament was completely different. It wasn't seeded 1 through 10. Well, how'd they know who was going to play each yeah. other in each round? It's got it. I'm looking at the brackets right here. The process of seeding was first used. Uh, 16 conference winners, automatic bids, were seeded one through four in each region. At large bids were then seeded one through four in each mm. region separately. Right. So each region had a one through four for at large and one through four for conference winners. Okay. So you learn something new every day. I explained to the, the Tracy Butler here yesterday that, as, that as the teams and schools move on, they make more money. So, so far, Loyola has made $6.56 million, not for themselves, but for the Missouri Conference. Valley Conference. Um, that's why the SEC and the ACC were mm-hmm. happy to get a combined 17 teams in, mm-hmm. while the Big Ten had four. And then uh, the Big Ten didn't make much money, plus Purdue went out yesterday. So you divided equally? The Salukis got an equal share, same yep. as Loyola? Yep. All of them. All the Missouri Valley teams get equal shares. Is that to prevent tanking or something? No, I'm just kidding. Maybe the other way it's around. The gro- it's for the growth of the conference. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's. That's why it would be nice if you know the co- uh, conferences like that could get more than one team in. See, one of the things that I love about this March Madness is that so many of the big names are gone. Right. You know, some are gone, some are still around. On the right side of the bracket, they're still there: Villanova, Kansas, and Duke. But on the left side. Yeah, Michigan's the uh, you know the number three seed, and they're the only one that's not a nine or an eleven. Everybody loves the underdog, the Cinderella story. Even Sister uh, Jean, remember, in the first go round, she mentioned she had two brackets. She had the one where she had Loyola going to the Sweet Sixteen, I believe, right, and then losing. Okay, uh, and then she said, sort of as an aside. I've got a second one. That's my uh, Cinderella bracket where we win every time. I didn't hear that one. That was the very first post-on-floor interview after uh, the first victory. Okay. After the victory over uh, Miami. Let's see how you're voting. Let's bring in Eric Ostrowski. Yeah, let's review and see how the fans are voting so far on the first three. uh, Well, the Twitter polls. Number one. Who's your favorite Rambler? I'm voting for the winner, which is going to be a runaway, Clayton Custer, the spark plug, the guy who made the unbelievable uh, three-bank billiard shot in uh, game two, or his third-grade pal, Ben Richardson. Great shot in game three to put him ahead and win the game, Marcus Towns. And uh, game one star, Dante Ingram. Fred, you think... uh, I'm going with Custer. Clayton Custer, a runaway on this one? Yep. Who's not? Maybe I should have said, who's your second favorite? <laughs> uh, well, can't you? Well, all right. So second seat, Townsville. Your second favorite second. would be the yeah second place person in this list. Right. All right. Well, right. Yeah. So with the lowest, with only 3% right now, is Ben Richardson. And he's oh, a senior. You hate to say on. He did one of the coolest right? things. This that, is a sad poll. He did one fan. of the coolest things that no one's talked about all mm-hmm. week since they won the other day. So just a couple days ago. Yeah. When the game was over, he was walking around the court, and they didn't go crazy, but he was walking out around the court trying to say they're in the, in the Elite Eight now. So he had five fingers on one hand and three on the other. All right. And then he said, well, maybe four fingers uh-huh. and four on the other. Yeah. So he wasn't sure how to hold up eight. If he was supposed to go five and three yeah. or four and four. Huh. And nobody's commented on it. And if I ever had a chance to ask Ben Richardson, I would have hmm. asked him about that. He could have just with his digit finger made like a big double circle like the number eight. Nobody would have understood. 
They would have said Ben Richardson's losing his mind. Hmm. I think the four and four is more comfortable for home. I think it's, it's two because the five it. and three yeah, is. Yeah, the three is awkward plus, feeling. Plus, do you do three with the three fingers or do you, do you make the okay sign with the three? Because that's how they do it at, like down at the board of trade. It's easier it's for them to see It's a little more it. comfortable yeah. doing the okay sign, I think. Yeah. At least you didn't have to use the word pinky, which I hate, but every survey we take is 90, yeah, 92% you know of people say pinky. I still say little finger from LaGrange Park. A friend of mine, David, sent me a list of uh, what you when, when you have a workman's comp claim. Oh. And a workman's comp claim has little finger and index finger, not Ooh. pointer finger or pinky. So if you have uh-huh. if you have to file a workman's comp, nice. You have to, you know, it's it's little finger, mm-hmm. ring finger, middle finger, index finger, mm-hmm. thumb. Okay. So just so everybody knows. I'd like know. to see you hold that up for a, a few little selfies someday you with the uh, little finger and the pointy finger. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. Little finger and index finger. <laughs> Number 2, Loyola winning Duke and you're uh, welcome to keep voting. Oh, we didn't get the answers for number one. I'm sorry. Go back to Clayton Custer's leading with 48%. All right. And then Towns has 27%, Uh and Dante Ingram has 22%. Oh, see, now there's the uh, little battle. There's the race right there. Vote right now. He has PN1000. We'll change this to who's your second favorite. Can we do that? No. But we'll know by the numbers. We'll figure it out. There you go. Uh, Loyola winning due to great coaching, great talent and skill, the players. C. Luck, D, 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 the miracle from above. I'm voting, but this will not be the winner. I'm going to vote for me. I'm going to A, coaching. Everyone's going to say skill of the players. I don't think so. I think they're all going to say coaching. Good. That's your vote? Yeah, I think, yeah, it is. Eric, what'd you vote and what the fans say? Well, I'd say coaching because I think uh, Porter Moser's okay. doing a great job. Oh, yeah. Um, and right now, 36% of the fans think coaching is the lead. And right underneath okay. it with 31% is skill. All right. So which show uh, was uh, ahead to three and four? Luck or the Luck mir- is 12%. Miracle from above is 21%. Okay. I like it. We'll keep these going throughout the day. A vote at ESPN 1000. And uh, final uh, of the first three. We have more coming up. You like the nickname Ramblers, yes or no? As Fred said, uh, better than Wildcats. Obviously. I think so, yeah. Uh, I like it. It's unique. We all sort of know what it is now. Their old football team back in the first turn of the century would sort of uh, play at different arenas, stadiums around town. They rambled on back and forth. Rambled on. So uh, I think it's a runaway. Everyone loves the nickname Ramblers. Over 90%, Eric. I would have voted no, but 75% say yes. You don't like it, huh? It's named after like a hobo. You're just wandering <laughs> around. You're a rambling man. It was a rambling. Their football team yeah, had Yeah, but no they're stadium. squatters. They, why not name them squatters then? Named after the 1951 Nash Ramblers, my dad had. Which, as Fred pointed out, it was yellow and maroon. And maroon. The colors yeah. of the Ramblers. Yeah, and if I hear one more person uh-huh. compare the scarves that are being worn at Loyola games hmm. to where's Waldo, where's Waldo's scarves <laughs> are white and red. Okay, Gryffindor scarves from Harry Potter are maroon and gold. So get it right if you're going to compare the scarves. Not where's Waldo. It's Harry Potter scarves. You did What's Up Fred's Can yesterday. Yeah, well, yeah, there was another one right there. scheduling some time for you on Saturday. Unbelievable. Well, you know, at the weekend, they all just come, they all just start flowing. 
So, Eric, did you find a picture of the beautiful 1951 Nash Rambler yet? I did. It has a nice round body style. It's yeah. different looking. I don't think it's bad. About the size of a refrigerator. Yeah, a small little coupe. And like all American cars, they uh, rusted out in about three, four years. Unfortunately, a dad kept ours until uh, 1958 and was seven years old and had rusted out in uh, 54. How old is that guy? Back in a flash. Hey, Bears talk. In the 10 o'clock hour, Arthur Arkish, profootballweekly.com. Spraying all fields at 11, our buddy Mark Potash from the Sun-Times, featured columnist, covers everything. Baseball uh, between now and noon, maybe right around the corner in the next segment, a little baseball, Fred. Opening day. Like four days away. Coming up on Thursday. Thursday. Yeah. Hey, you used your thumb and then your yeah. pointy finger yes, and then I your did. pinky finger. Back in a flash. three three two three seven seven six. Any of our earlier topics. Murph and Fred, here till noon. Back in a flash. ESPN 1000. Welcome back, Murph and Fred. And this hour is brought to you by Wilmot Mountain. Enjoy spring skiing and snowboarding just over the Wisconsin border mm-hmm. through Sunday, March 25th. Reduced and price lift tickets. Details at WilmotMountain.com. And uh, last to do between now and noon, uh, we'll play the average game. That's our game. That's really, it's above average, uh, but we'll let you decide how much above average, if at all. But it's the average game. Uh, Murph's yellow pad, lots to do. Uh, Can't wait for baseball. Five days from now, we'll be they'll be playing ball. Mm-hmm. Well, one thing about Je- now Jesse Rogers usually with us, and today I said Jesse, take a Saturday off. We're going to be hearing a lot from you, young man, uh, throughout the season on Saturdays. Jesse does a great job. One thing now, Jesse, not just this past week, Fred, uh-huh. but. All spring training, ever since the Cubs signed uh, the uh, apparent backup catcher, uh, spelled like it's Jimenez, but it's Jimenez, right? right. Chris Jimenez. Uh, everyone just sort of made him the understood to be a de facto backup catcher in Caratini. Right. And uh, the more you think about this, you know what the Cubs need. They don't need a right-handed hitting backup catcher that can't hit. Uh-huh. But he's a tremendous professional backup catcher. Right. You know, and Jim knows, and, Yeah, and he knows you, Darvish. Here's what they need. They need Caratini. Switch hitter off the bench. Start him against the tough righties instead of bringing in another right-handed hitter, Jimenez, against a tough... You know, facing Max Scherzer. You know, what are you going to do? Bring, start Jimenez? Right. At least a lefty up I know he's a rookie. He's a young kid. He's had his, uh, just a little cup of coffee. And here's the other thing. He can play first base. I don't know who else... To, they're talking about Zobrist as the, you know... Zobrist. Well, he's got you, a first baseman's glove. You know, unless there's an injury, Riz plays, uh, you know, about 13 out of every 14 games. I don't know if I want Zobrist... Everything points to me, and again, everyone's just assuming, uh, so just keep an eye on that. But here's what Jesse did all this week, all this month, that just sort of drives me. I, I, don't, I don't understand where he's coming from. He did it again this week. You know, he'd be on all the shows. He does a great job. It's, right. You know, appointment radio. Jesse will be with us in such and such amount of time. Okay, I'm there, babe. Now, all that Jesse, and again this week. So, uh, what's, you know. What's the leadoff position for the Cubs look like? Who's in that leadoff slot? You know, yeah. 
Well, it's been apparent since day one when Joe Madden opted the first exhibition game to start Happen center leading off and not yeah. Al Mora. Right. But right there, he was sitting at the table. He was saying, hey, Al, Al Mora, you better get, this is not your job. Yeah. It was the psychology of Joe, and the kid just took it and ran with it. Hit his sixth homer yesterday. Right. Oh, and if I hear this once more anywhere. <clears throat> okay. Like on a news update situation. Uh-huh. Uh, Ian Happ hit his uh, sixth home run of the spring, a fourth as a leadoff man. I don't care. Yeah, I don't either. What is it? Now, think about this. Most starters have only played two at bats until the last few days. But would you care? You would care, though, if it was fourth leading off the game. That's different. That's a different stat. No, no. No, so I think he, that's a little different. Because they keep track of that. Because you can be the leadoff hitter. Well, they're not saying. Oh, I see what you're saying. Okay, they're not saying necessarily. That he hit it to leading start- off the game. Okay, but They're that just must be that he was in the leadoff spot and hit a home run. Yeah, they must be implying to start the game. Well, they've got to be more clear. Well, of course. Yeah. They should have listened to a uh, quickie quiz in a minute on a uh, sports sure. phone. you got to be more clear. Right, right. But here's the other thing. Even if it is to start the game, I don't care. Because I don't think yesterday's was to start the game. Yeah, I think it was. Was it? Yeah. Well, they didn't say that. Here's the thing, though. doesn't matter. The uh-huh. point is, he's the leadoff hitter. Every fourth, one fourth of his at bats all year are going to be starting the game. Right. Home or road, I don't think that matters. Or in the spring training, spring training, they only bat two at bats, right? They only bat twice, maybe yeah. then the third time now. Usually. Four times one, maybe uh, today or less. For some reason, Renteria has been having guys hit four times, but yeah. But here's the thing the luck of the draw, the random walk, as they say, Hap is going to hit. A fourth of his homers, his first at bat, his second at bat, his third at bat, and his fourth at bat. So I don't care where he hits it. Anyway, that's just me. So, Jesse, he will not say for the last month that Hap is the everyday center fielder. Even though I told him about three weeks ago, they're going to, pretty obvious what Joe's going to end up doing. He's going to platoon in left field. He's going to platoon Zobrist against the lefties and Schwab's three out of four days against the righties. And right field is going to be a straight platoon to start this season with Hayward uh, in right field against uh, all the right-handed pitching and Elmora in right field versus all the left-handed pitching. Fine. Jesse still keeps saying, well, you know, uh, Jesse, who's going to be the uh, leadoff hitter for the Cubs? You know, yeah. well, it's going to be mix and match. Yeah, I know. He's still well, you saying know why he's that. saying that? Is well, I don't know why. Because Madden's still saying it. Madden, Madden is not well, just confirmed Jesse that Happ is going to be the guy. Maybe we got to call Jesse up uh, and ruin his day later. Because I don't he... want to be talking against his uh, behind his back. We've never done that. I love Jesse. Jesse, why don't you just say he's the starting everyday center fielder? And I still think that they're going to move Happ to, to right and leave, put out more on center when yeah. they when they sit uh, right. when they, when they sit Hayward. But we'll see. Okay, we'll see how that plays out. Okay. You got any White Sox talk in your White Sox notebook there? All, uh, all kinds of White Sox well, how stuff. About the, they pretty uh, much have the roster set. The collision at third base was a heart stopper with yeah. Mancata yesterday. Well, everybody else has gotten hurt, so he was trying to take his turn. He tried to go to third on a ground or to short. Good yeah. news is he'll never do that again. I think he knocked knees with the third base, which hurts like heck for about a minute or two, and then he was fine. Thank yeah. goodness. Yeah, they, uh, they pretty much have their... Their roster solidified. Eight guys in the bullpen, five starters. Mm-hmm. Your outfielders are Delmonico, uh, Engel, and Garcia. 
Your bench, not mm-hmm. the deepest of benches. Davidson, Saladino, uh, Narvaez, and Garcia. Mm-hmm. Lurie Garcia, the other Garcia. Well, Davidson DH is what just against lefties? Or are they going to let him DH every day? I don't. I don't think they know yet. They'll see. No, I, I, I'm sure that he'll he'll DH against lefties, and then uh, he'll probably play some third base, and also have him maybe sit sit the game out against the righties and put Lurie Garcia out in the outfield. I tell you, Delmonico can play. Yeah. Yeah, he's a left guy. Is he gonna? He's gonna bat in the upper th- three, four, five slots. I think. Yeah, I think around five. They've landed on Avi in the two hole. Yeah, I like that. Well, Anderson, Anderson would rather bat in the two hole, but a, a Renteria so wants a Renteria wants to hit him down lower. Everybody wants to bat in the two hole. Yeah. Well, I was thinking too. You know, talking about Hap, could Hap have a better situation? Leading off the game, a guy that's a home run hitter, he knows he's going to get pitches because nobody wants to put a guy on base before Chris Bryant. Yeah, but Schwarber didn't take advantage of that. <laughs> no, he didn't. He didn't. But, you know, Hap has the opportunity to actually see how this is going to play out. You know what they said the other day? Someone, Hap wants to, see, here's the big thing. Hap wants to lead off. He He's digging it. He's loving it. Yeah. He wants, he's enjoying it. He's embracing it. This is a... Schwarber last year never wanted to be there. I'll, you know, I've said that from the beginning. I have nothing to base it on but just me. Well, the other thing is, too, Hap would, Hap's not necessarily your four or your five, um, like where Schwarber is. Yeah. Right. So with Hap, it'll be, it'll be, it should be perfect for him. He'd be a great six if you didn't have anyone else down there. People are already talking about the possibility of this cup, <laughs> the Cubs scoring 900 runs. I saw that. It hasn't been done since the pre-steroid era. Yeah. And uh, Houston had 896 last year. Oh, okay. So, and then the Yankees, 858, Colorado, 824, mm-hmm. and the Cubs were fourth yeah. uh, with 822. Hey, the Cubs and Sox both, this is obvious, but I haven't heard anyone actually say it, the Cubs and Sox both have switch-hitting leadoff hitters, Mancada and Hap. Yeah. And both in their basically their second uh, you know year. I know Mankata had a cup of coffee two years ago with Boston, but basically they're both second year guys. Still, neither I don't think played uh, 162 games in the big leagues. Could be wrong. I don't know. I don't, maybe happens. I don't think so. So you got basically two guys leading off both sides of town. Both switch hitters. Both young up and coming maybe stars of the future. Who knows? And uh, both just in their second year. Yeah, and everybody likes the way Mankata looks. I mean, he had three homers. Uh, three stolen bases, hitting two eighty one in the spring so far. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, Renteria, they're smart. Maybe sit him down a game or two and let him relax sure. a little bit before yeah. Thursday yeah. starts. Plenty of baseball still coming up. Bears talk at 10. Arthur Arkish, ProFootballWeekly.com. Spread all fields. Featured columnist, our pal from uh, the Chicago Sun-Times, uh, Mark Potash. Uh, oh, you know, we got after this quick break, uh, EO11 put together a great mini-mix from Game 3, Loyola Ramblers. Uh, we did it last week. Fred, you were gone uh, uh, from Game 1. We played that back for you upstairs. Haven't heard this yet. When uh, we return, going to do a little, uh, oh, you're going to like this, they tell me, highlights from Game 3, a little bit of uh, uh, Sister Jean, a little bit of uh, uh, Porter uh, Moser. Everybody, Lyle, everybody's a rambler today, 5 o'clock here on good old ESPN 1000. Bum, 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 ba-dum, bum, bum. Welcome back, Murph and Fred. Busy day here till noon, Saturdays 9 till noon. 
We'll talk Bears with uh, Arthur R. Cush, ProFootballWeekly.com. Arthur says, working on some draft stuff here. Uh, can you push me back about half? Uh, sure, Arthur, 1030. I think he actually did his first uh, mock draft this week, too, so we can talk oh, to him about wait. that. Can't yeah. wait for that. We'll uh, have a busy 10 o'clock hour. Mark Potash at 11. Uh, and we're going to play the mini-mix right now. And one for, if you heard the Doug Collins name at all, remember there's a big hoopla when he got signed with the Bulls to be like a senior advisor yeah. back. It wasn't the beginning of the season. It was a few months in, if I recall. Right. I haven't, haven't heard, heard his, his name, name once. No. Haven't heard his name since. What's going on there? Yeah. All right, let's bring in EO11. Eric Ostrowski has been busy. He's going to try to going to try to match last week's uh, EO11. Eric Ostrowski, EO11, trying to match last week's uh, Loyola Ramblers mini mix from the exciting uh, uh, game one uh, victory, which was uh, Loyola 64, Miami 62. Uh, the midweek victory, of course, was uh, uh, Loyola beat Tennessee 63-62. That was the weekend. Oh, I'm backwards? Right. That oh, was yeah. the weekend. Tennessee was the weekend, and then yeah. the other day was Nevada. You're exactly right. Right. And uh, so this will be a little mix of the uh, exciting uh finish and uh, interaction and interviews uh, just a minute or so but uh what do we have coming up here eric okay so this first noise or first sound you'll hear is porter moser who I actually hope it's more than just noise the, right, first, the noise. first sound the first sound <laughs> the first voice you'll hear we are number one in noise now go hey why not <laughs> um is porter moser who joined golic and wingo again the mm-hmm. morning after they won cool. and then you'll hear the highlights courtesy of westwood one right and you'll hear the adorable Awesome, everyone's fan, Sister Jean, Jean as well. Will we have any uh, any Led Zeppelin? As, of course. Okay. Because we're here to ramble on. As much <laughs> See, I should have just let you hit it right there. Yeah. As much as we love the Loyola fight song, what do we want to do again now, Eric? Uh, ramble on. Sing their song. It feels great. I mean, it, it's it's so cool for um, the city of Chicago, for the University of Loyola, our, our guys um, to go through this journey, and, and it, it's really cool. I mean, it's it's been a surreal, you know, scene here with all the Loyola people here in Atlanta. Seven to shoot, twelve to play. Custer still up top. Now he drives, passes to the corner. Towns dribbles and fires a three, and he got it. Six seconds left. A whistle and a timeout taken by Loyola. Marcus Towns with a huge three, and that puts Loyola up by four. Just seeing the videos go viral of Chicago and our campus, and uh, it's really, really cool, guys. I am so grateful to the young men and to Porter, of course, for doing this. And the horn sounds. That's it. And Cinderella will continue to dance. I'm trying to keep myself calm, but I know that I'm not. Defeat Nevada 69 to 68 in dramatic fashion. One of the things Custer said to me as he came off the court was, Sister Jean, we broke your bracket. I said, I don't care how far you break my bracket. As long as you've broken it, you have to go a little more now. And it's just, I'm happy for us, for my community, for Loyola, for the city of Chicago, and for the world. Because we have people watching us all over the world. 
You know, we got guys that they just have found a way and, and just believe and just feel like they're going to find a way no matter how it is. Cinderella will continue to dance. ESPN 1000, brought to you by Westwood One. And don't forget also, before that, from yeah. 3 to 5, Adam Abdallah, Chris Blackley, breaking it down, getting you ready for the game. And when Sister Jean, Jean refers to Custer, I had to check it out, but uh, General George uh, Armstrong Custer passed away in uh, 1876. Oh, so last, would, that was his last stand. Yeah, so it wouldn't be, uh, it wouldn't be uh, that Custer she was referring to. It would be Clayton. <laughs> so, I thought it could have been, but no. Where was that last stand? I took... Amtrak from Chicago to Seattle about four years ago, lifelong dream. Got the little sleeper car yeah. and uh, mapped out ahead of time where the Empire Builder goes up uh, through Minneapolis and then through like North Dakota and all the way across Idaho. And I went right, I, we were about 10 miles away from uh, Custer's last stand, I believe. Bighorn County, Montana. There you go. There you go. See it right out the window if you're on the, on the uh, right side, uh, uh, the uh, north side, heading on. Amtrak. Yep, it's part of the uh, Great Sioux War of yep. 1876. And uh, the winner of Who's Your Favorite Rambler? Last hour, Clayton Custer. Clayton Custer. Hopefully he has a few more stands remaining. I don't think he's any relation. I don't know if anybody's ever asked him. Twitter poll, Iola's winning due to, uh, in order, the votes were coaching, skill uh, of the players, uh, miracle from above, and luck. And do you like the nickname Ramblers? 75% said yes. 25% of you said, no, I don't like it. I didn't hear any better offers, EL11. You got a better name? We'll run those uh, uh, through the computer here until uh, noon. Got some more of those coming up. We'll throw in some baseball next. Arthur Arkush Bears talk bottom of the hour. Busy, busy day. Back in a flash, it's Murph and Fred. It's ESPN 1000. Right here, you're out and about in the car, away from the uh, television, hey, or turn it on anyway. <laughs> Brought to you by Westwood One, 5 p.m. The Ramblers uh, versus Bruce Weber and the uh, Kansas State case. Fred Bruce Weber, one of the nicest guys ever. You and I yes, he is. did a show uh, uh, in the mornings years ago, and the Salukis, my uh, proud uh, school of maroon and white. My old uh, doggies down in Carbondale, Carbondale, uh, we were doing the morning show, and that's when Bruce Weber's uh, Salukis uh, were a Sweet 16, if I recall, uh, made the Sweet 16, and he came on with us almost every morning yeah. for that uh, uh, one-week, ten-day period. And couldn't be a nicer guy in the world, remember? He was the best, yeah. Uh, yeah, he had a Sweet 16 finish in 2002. Right, okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, appearances in 2002, 2003, and uh, that, that got him the job in Illinois. And he'd, even in Illinois, he would come out with us. He'd call us uh, great from guy. the team bus. They're out traveling, you know, or they'd be uh, in a Denny's somewhere in the middle of nowhere. Right. You'd be on the phone and give you the full 15 minutes yep. and uh, selling, selling, talking, insights. I mean, just a gem of a guy. So uh, either way, be it uh, Porter Moser or, uh, or, uh, or uh, Weber, Bruce Weber, uh, two great guys to advance. But you know who 
we're pulling for. Let's take a look right now at uh, our next group of Loyola Twitter poll questions for today. A lot of activity. We'll get uh, the results to you shortly. But one other thing real quickly yeah. about about Weber. Huh. He, uh, he said a thing the other day. He said, I've just tried to do it the right way, the mm-hmm. way I feel it should be done. I don't like what's going on in our business, to be honest. That's and that's one of the things yeah. I like about Bruce Weber. I mean, he's not has he's not going to hesitate to say mm-hmm. what he believes, and uh, you know, it, it's almost a no lose situation if you're a Chicagoan. Obviously, you want to see Loyola win, but if they don't, Bruce Weber's uh, huh. one heck of a guy. It's nice to see his team do well. Yeah. He says what he sees. He sees what he believes. I wonder if he's from uh, Cicero. I grew up in Cicero. There's not too much I believe in unless I see it. There you go. Maybe yeah. that's where Bruce Weber's from. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he's not. Otherwise, he would have been a Morton East coaching. He was a Purdue uh, <laughs> assistant for, uh, what, 10, 15 years? Then the Salukis, and then U of I, and now at K-State. Uh, we'll get to some baseball in a minute, but let's take a look at our uh, Loyola Rambler Twitter poll. Next. Born in Milwaukee. Went to Wisconsin-Milwaukee That's for right. education. See yeah. that? See yeah. that? So, Midwest guy. And uh, next poll question is, uh, best thing about the Ramblers, uh, Ramblers, uh, the Ramblers' best trait, multiple choice, A, teamwork, B, likability, C, no superstars heading to the NBA, most likely. D, it's a small, clean program. Sort of echoes there what right. uh, Weber was intimating sure. in your uh, quotes there, right? Yep. Yep. Vote now at ESPN 1000. Best thing about the Ramblers, the uh, Ramblers the best trait, teamwork, likability, no superstars, a small, clean program. Next. The Ramblers will, uh, here's where the rubber meets the road, the Ramblers will, A, advance to the Final Four with a victory tonight. B, they will advance to the Finals. C, they're going to win it all. Or D, had to enter this, had to lose tonight. Okay. Vote right now at ESPN 1000. Ramblers advance to the Final Four. Advance to the finals with a win uh, tonight on ESPN 1000 Radio here. Win it all or lose tonight. And ten, uh, our final uh, uh, of six, rather, final uh, Twitter poll. Could you get in a car and drive to Loyola University campus without a GPS? Okay. I was going to say, oh, without a map, but no one even has a map. Uh-huh. Who knows what they are? Could you get to Loyola right now? Hop in the car. Find Loyola University campus without a GPS, yes or no. Can't wait to hear the results for that. But I could find both campuses. I think there's three. I think there's Well I can't I don't know where the third one is. I never Well there had been one on Michigan Avenue years ago. That one might not be there anymore. Yeah, it's on State Street now. Same one? Okay. Bigger building. Okay. Yeah. Those are the two? Right near Paisano's. I'm sure they go to Paisano's all the time. Oh, I used to love that. Uh-huh. When I was in the city, that was my yep. go-to pizza place. Yep. That and Salerno's. Paisano was easy to find. It's like counting backwards by twos, their address on State Street. 864 North State. Oh, I didn't know that. I didn't remember that. Tell I just know where it is. Yeah. I'm going to switch microphones here in a minute because this one's about ready to fall on the floor. Yep. Because some people can't keep their hands off of it. Me? Well, you and several others. I don't turn it around in a circle. 
I was wondering why this washer and nut were in my lap, if you will. Uh-huh. Am I on the air We can now? still hear you. Am I on the radio? I'm using this other microphone, Eric. Yeah, Murph, we hear you. It's working. Yeah. Sound any better than the last time I was on on the other microphone? No, don't answer. Vote right now for our Twitter poll questions. Wait, we were going to go to some baseball talk, but they're saying go to Tony in Wakanda. What's your question, Tony? Hey, Tone. Hey, what's up? How are you doing, Fred? Good, Tony. What's up? You're up, Tony. I just I just want to know what's up your can on this Saturday morning. <laughs> That's it? There's so many things. Where have you been for the last hour and nine minutes? I just got in the car. I'm actually going to Loyola. I do sales, and I'm going to their 7-Eleven to make sure that they're all stocked up for this crazy win they're going to get tonight. Do you need a GPS to find it? That's the question. Absolutely not. I get down 94. I go down. Actually, I don't even know roads, honestly. I just know, like, kind of destination. So if you just tell me, like, hey, go next to a Taco Bell, I can get there. <laughs> well, Tony, but, since you missed it, my thing is, don't, don't anytime you hear someone compare the uh, scarves of the Loyola fans to Where's Waldo, yell at him because Where's Waldo's red or white, not, not maroon and gold. That's Harry Potter's. That's one of my what's up my cans today. That's it? Come on, there's got to be one more thing up your can. Tony, miss a little, <laughs> miss a lot. Thanks, buddy. I'm going to start, I think I'm going to start a, a separate Twitter account. What's just start cans? a blog. Yeah. Just, just what's I up have, Fred's can. I, I had a blog out there and I put too many in in one day and I think it went crazy. Right, people, so. us millennials don't like, you need to just roll it out slowly for us. Yeah, I think you're right. Thank goodness I'll have a copyright on what's your beef. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing's new. Can we do a duo thing? Uh, what's your beef? What's up your can simultaneously? Like uh, tennis back and forth? Back and forth, yeah. Hey, let's play that new game that everyone's talking about. The average game. It's not an average game. It's an above average game. This has a baseball bent to it. This is where Fred and I each give you uh, our answer to a sports uh, you know, question, prediction. And then we average the numbers together. To see, uh, you know, how it looks, how it comes out. You know, we've done this a lot in the past, and Fred, we haven't been that bad. In fact, I save all these. Uh-huh. All right, November, I'm sorry, September 9th last year. September 9th last year, just before the Bears uh, opened. Okay. Baseball season was rambling on. All right, so uh, uh, last September... Bears victories for the upcoming 2017 season. You know what our average uh, was? Seven. Okay. A little high. Yeah. Ended up with five. All right. Game started by Mitch Trubisky. This was last September, just before the first game. You know what our number was, our average game? Eight and a half. Wasn't it eight? No, 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 no. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, it was 12. It was 12. I'm sorry. Right. It was 12. Uh Uh-huh. So eight and a half was not close. Not that close. But the record show. I said 12, you said five. Okay. But I wouldn't do that. No, that's right. No, 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 no. Because you're, you're right most of the others, and I yeah. was way off. Uh, playoff victories coming up for Kyle Hendricks. I said three, you said one. Our average was two, and he ended up uh, going just one and one. Okay. One victory versus Washington, one versus the Dodgers. So uh, oh, here was our best effort. Last September, the average game, 
touchdowns coming up this season, 2017, for Jordan Howard. I had nine, you had eight, eight and a half, he had nine. So that's how they that's average not it. Bad. That was not bad yeah. at all. All right, let's go to today's average game. Number one, Ian Happ. All right? Gotcha. Popping a pee there, Murph. Ian Happ had, uh, look at home runs this year for Ian Happ. 20, oh, he had 24 last Let year? Let the record show. Very good. 24 mm-hmm. homers last year. 364 at bats. Well, he should hit 60 then. <laughs> well, if we both said 60, then I wouldn't have any trouble averaging it yeah, up. Yeah, It'd be 60. I, won't, I won't say 60. All right, count of three as we go for the average game. Ian Happ, 24 last year. Homer's this year. One, two, three. 29. 29. Oh, oh, I can't believe we I both said 29. I can do that in my head. Yeah. Average out, 29. 29. Yohan Mankata. The other switch hitter in town, both town switch hitting uh, leadoff men. And a little more tricky. Uh, Mankata last year hit 231. Yes. Batting average this year, count of three, was 231 last year. One, two, three, 277. I got 277. You got 267. That's 272. That's 272. Yep. That's not bad. Very I'll take that. Good. See, you went through to Morton West yeah. there. And Morton East. West, East went through you. Yeah, Morton East. It was just Morton. Now it is. Again? Yeah. Now oh. it's just Morton. Okay. Is it still uh, maroon and white? Maroon and green. No! Yeah, it's not. Bizarre. It's not pretty. <clears throat> I ever tell you my grade school had to change their, didn't have to, decided to change their nickname? Out in Lagrange Park, we were the Forest Road Trojans. Okay, they changed it. You know, I think. Uh, you know, I think. Uh, boy, you know. is it Downers Grove North Trojans? I think. Did they change? Uh, yeah, I don't think they did. Yeah, Forest Road I got pressured. Wrong. Yeah, Forest Road Road Runners. Road Runners. You sound like the uh, the Charles Barkley commercial. That's yeah, right. I guess that word that bird over there is that's running <laughs> along the road. That's a Road Runner, right? Another Yohan Mancata for the average game. This is home runs. All right. Eight last year in uh, 199 at bats. And by the way, it is still the uh, Downers Grove North Trojans. Okay. Still the Forest Road Roadrunners. Okay. Uh, Yohan Mancata last year, 199 at bats. Eight home runs. Count of three. How many this year for the switch hitting White Sox second baseman? One, two. Three. 16. 16. All right, close. I had 15. Fred's got 16. We make that 15 and one half. John Lester. Victories. Wins. Wins mean nothing. Well, this is the average game. They mean a lot. Uh-huh. All right, John Lester. Now, just for a little review, last year, 13 and 8. Okay. But let's go back. His last uh, one, did he seven? His last eight years, all right? From oldest to most recent. Victories 15, 19, 15, 15, 16, 11, 19, and last year 13. He was 13 and 8. John Lester, victories. The big W on the count of three. One, two, three, 17. 17. All right. I can't believe it. You know what? We agree far too much here today. And uh, let the record show, we had no uh, pre-show fist fight. No, we don't do those things. No, even the pre-show love fest. Uh-uh. Ah. Nope. Hey, Fred, how you doing? That's right. Okay. Hey, Murph. I haven't seen... Fred, I said, 
Seems like I haven't seen you in a month. It's too early. I'm still waking you up. You said I was here two weeks ago. That's right. That's exactly I remember what I you said. were here two weeks ago. Yep. Two weeks ago after my trip to Nashville. You know what? When you talked all about Nashville, I said, Eric, see you and pull up Nashville cats. Eric went to the bed. Oh, there he is. I didn't see Eric. It's one of the greatest songs ever. I'm on the train going home two weeks ago. I said, we didn't play Nashville cats. You were talking all about your all trip about to Nashville. Nashville. Yep. It's a fun place. I'll go back again so we can talk about it next time. Cubs closer. Jesse won't admit this one either. Well, it might be a mix and match. Jesse, who's going to play center field for the Cubs leader? Well, I don't know. Mix and match. I got 20,000 books in my garage. I'll hand autograph it for you. Brendan Morrow. Cubs uh, closer. Last year, two saves. Okay. Well, as the Dodgers. And I guarantee he'll have more. He was being, well, that's the object of the average game. <laughs> yes. This game's actually an above-average game. Uh-huh. Uh, career, many right. years, oh. 18 career. Okay. Saves. Two last year, but he was behind probably the best closer in baseball. Kenley uh, Jansen. Kenley Jansen. Yep. Count of three. Oh, by the way, for frame of reference, Wade Davis last year, Cubs, 32 saves. Okay. I believe he had no blown saves or one at the most. One. Right? Milwaukee right. got him. Late in the year. So 32s, you know, these days, excellente. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, two for Brandon Morrow last year. Count of three. Saves this year for the Cubs closer. One, two, three. 26. 25. Well, it's very easy. Yeah, you guys are making figure. this average game very, like, this is how I wish my tests were back <laughs> in, like, grade school. Yeah. 25 and a half. That was pretty easy. Or sit next to someone smart and, uh, you know, look over. I think you'll be disappointed if you only gets 25 and a half. Well, the reason I think... Because that half could kill him. <laughs> I do think that they're going to be very gentle with him, Joe Madden. And they will, I think, not want to bring him back three days in a row. Steve Ciszek will be out there. You will. And uh, C.J. Edwards. He can do you it. Know. Edwards right. can do it if he stops walking people. And Wilson, they still envision him for some ninth inning. But yeah. He didn't have the world's best spring either. Nope, but that's you know they're just getting there. Mm -hmm. They're just getting ready. I can't wait. Nashville Thursday. Cats coming up anywhere they're at. <laughs> Loving spoonful. Avi Garcia's next. Ooh, he's um, a tough one because and, you yeah. may, you may not realize this, but the majority of last year he was the second best hitter in the American oh, League. I know, average wise. I got him in the next to last round in my yeah. fantasy league. Yep, he had a tremendous year, and he's. Tearing the ball, uh, cover off the ball again this he year. He was pretty good, I want to say, too, with runners mm -hmm. in scoring position. I think he was really good. One of the best in the American League. Avi Garcia. We're going to look at his batting average here for the okay. average game, Fred. Starting right fielder, batting number two, it appears, uh, for your uh, Chicago White Sox. Three years ago, he had 257. Two years ago, 245. Last year, 330. Yep. All right. That was really good. Mm-hmm. He lost a lot of weight in the previous offseason. Hasn't put any back on. He's hitting again right now. But that's a lot of numbers. 330. Yeah. Average game. Batting average. Count of three. One, two, three. 345. Okay, now you got to do some figuring. 314. That's nine. That's four and a half. That's 309 and a half. All right. I think he would be happy with that. I'm pretty sure that uh, Ricky Renteria would be happy with it, too. Happy would be nice. Happy with that, too, Ian. 309. Not too shabby. Same guy, Avi Garcia. 
Gonna look at the uh, Ribskis here. Okay. All right. Last three years. Three years ago, 59. Two years ago, 51. Last year, again, 80. Was that a career year? He's going to be batting number two now. Yes, he will Not be. Not more in the guts in the three, fours, and fives where he was last year. Mostly three, I believe. Fewer RBI chances, perhaps. 80. Last year, Avi Garcia counted three ribskis. One, two, three, 69. 72. Very close. Yep. That's 69. That's 70 and uh, one half. Not bad in the two hole. It'll get spread around. Yeah, you'll get some guys eight and nine getting on base for you. Who knows? He might not be in the two hole the whole time either. Right. Hey, by the way, this hour is brought to you by Wilmot Mountain. Enjoy uh, mm-hmm. spring skiing and snowboarding just over the Wisconsin border through Sunday, March 25th. That would be tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Hurry up. Reduced price lift tickets. Details at WilmotMountain.com. There's talk. Bottom of the hour. Our buddy Arthur Arkish, ProFootballWeekly.com. Uh, hey, vote right now on our three outstanding, meaning not that they're great, but they're standing out right now as these are the three we are using. The best thing about the Ramblers, Loyola Ramblers' best trait, teamwork, likability, no superstars, or D, it's a small, clean program. Next, the Ramblers will advance to the Final Four, advance to the Finals, win it all, or they're going to lose tonight on Good Old ESPN 1000, 5 p.m., brought to you by Westwood One. And our final Twitter poll for you can you get to Loyola in the car without a GPS? Yes or no? Vote right now. Average game. Let's go back to uh, Kyle Schwarber. All right. Kyle Schwarber's RBIs. Okay. Last year, 59. Bad leadoff. Couldn't get on. Sent down to Iowa for a couple of weeks. Now he's in the five-hole, it appears, behind the cleanup hitter, Wilson Contreras. Kyle Schwarber, RBIs. 59 last year, count of three. One, two, three. 68. Eight. Oh, ye of little faith. You're only bouncing him up by nine? Yeah. For a guy that batted leadoff, didn't get a hit for the first month and a half. Two weeks down to Des Moines? Uh-huh. That's uh, 80, 68, that's 12, that's 6, that's 74 is the average. Tim Anderson, home runs. White Sox shortstop batting down around 7, it appears. He had 9 two years ago, almost doubled to 17 last year. Counted 3, 1, 2, 3, 22. 20. You got 22, I got 20. Still boosting him up. He may be a home run or nothing guy. You might have learned your lesson also with Vadis and Russell a few years ago with those shortstops yeah. uh-huh. goosing them too high. Yeah. Huh? Well, he might hit 30 this year. Oh, Addison? Yeah. yeah I don't think so. I learned my lesson by watching you a right. couple years ago. Victories for the season, Cubs and Sox. All right, here's our final average game question. White Sox last year, 67 wins. 67 and 95. Cubs ended 92 and 70 with 92. Let's go White Sox first. This one's a little tricky in many, many ways. Sox had 67 wins. Counted three this year. One, two, three. 75. 70. 
I got 70. Fred, 75. 72 and a half. <laughs> Thank you. They're going to trade away some of their guys at the end of the uh, trading so. deadline. I, well, who? Well, pitching. They're going to yeah. strip the bullpen again yeah, that's with okay. anybody that's breathing. Who's going who's gonna to pick up an Aaron Bummer <laughs> or a Juan Manaya? Uh, maybe a Luis Avian, but if he's good enough, you're going to keep him around. You can get rid of Joaquin Soria. A desperate guy will trade for anybody on uh, July 31st, but... Yeah. But they got enough. They got enough pitchers in the minors. They don't need to worry about that right now. And you got them keeping Avi and Abreu all the way through yeah, the year. Okay. I do. Cubs ninety-two and seventy this year. Count of three. Average game one, two, three. Ninety-four. Whoa, Fred. Ninety-eight. Fred's bouncing the Cubs from ninety-two to ninety-eight. I elevated them to ninety-four. That's a ninety-six. I tell you, the Cubs pitching looks better than last year. The hitting. Definitely uh, improved the fielding. It, it, I, I have no problem the with the 98. Is, yeah, the fielding is going to be one of the big things. Because they did. They were not a good fielding team, which was surprising last year. Yeah, but they got Baez they every struggled. day at second. I know. Mm, left field could still be an issue. Until maybe the seventh inning with a the lead. Then Schwarbs hits the uh, pines, takes right. a seat. Then you move Happy from center to left. Then you put uh, uh, Elmore in left or... Put, then you put uh, Hayward in the game because he probably is not going to start a lot. So you got a great defensive outfield late in the game. Ninety six for yeah, the even Cubs. the guys that were even the guys that were there last year, the year before they were better defensively. I'm not sure what mm -hmm. the problem was. You know, Addison Russell had an arm problem, mm -hmm. and you know other things happened. So uh, okay. we'll see what happens. Hey, a little Bears football next. Arthur Arkus, ProFootballWeekly.com. Stick around, Murph and Fred. Don't touch that dial. It's ESPN one thousand. Fred Hubner back together on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Go Ramblers, ramble on, Murph and Fred. That game will be right here for you, ESPN 1000, 5 o'clock, and uh, Loyola K-State. Brought to you by Westwood One. One minute away from Arthur Arkish. Little Bears talk, draft talk. Plenty to shoehorn in here on a busy, busy Saturday. It's your last chance to vote right now. Addy is pin 1000. Our Loyola Ramblers Twitter poll. We have six questions in action for you right now. And right now, let's go to ProFootball.com. Busy guy, busy part of the year. Check everything out at ProFootballWeekly.com. And it's Arthur Arkus with me, Mike Murphy, and he's Fred Humner. Arthur, good morning. Good morning, fellas. What's happening? Hey, you're happening, my friend. Well, baseball starts in five days, but we're going to talk football right now. All right, I guess that'll uh, that'll do. Yeah, Dad's, Dad's running around the bed. I got my season tickets. I got my season tickets. <laughs> Say hi to Pop. Yeah, we're excited. We're excited. Oh. It should be another uh, awesome uh, Cubs uh, baseball season for sure. But I know yeah. uh, the fans are a little more focused on draft talk at this time. Well, let's do exactly that and talk about the Bears. 
You know, there's a song back in the day. In fact, I don't know if Pop's listening right now. Eric, you got a cut of uh, of uh, something's happening here. Uh, there's something happening here. There's something happening here with the Bears. Is, exactly <laughs> it's not exactly clear. To At me. least to you, right. To me, right. <laughs> yeah. Okay, you can lose this part. This is not relevant to the Bears. <laughs> there's there's a there's a hubcap running around the back. I know that song. I remember that song. Oh, Murph plays that song. There's something happening here. Before we take a quick look at the draft, you know, we've the offense that we have had to look at uh, for, with the Bears as a Bears fan for so many years and the last conservative years. You know, John Fox, love him or not, you know, he had his method. That's the way he was going to do it. But yeah. I, I read all these quotes now and different. Places and Pro Football Weekly and our own Jeff Dickerson and these wide receivers, they're saying things like, I came to the Bears because I like what they're going to do up with the offensive scheme. I like the guys running the Bears offense, top to bottom. They love everything. They're coming. I've never heard this before, Fred. They're coming to the Bears because they want to be part of well, something's happening here, and what it is ain't clear. Tell me, what's happening here with the offense, and why are people want to come to the Bears, Arthur? Well, gentlemen, for what it's worth, my <laughs> opinion, that is. Um, Nicely done. I think, sorry, I had to do I know we're a couple minutes removed, but um, the title of the I, song. I think, I think there's, there's a lot of, uh, you know, well-deserving excitement regarding Matt Nagy and, and Mitch Trubisky. So let me put that out there first. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're going to carry this offense into the 21st century. And then that's his, uh, uh, something that obviously should have happened a little while ago. But it, <laughs> it's, it's encouraging to know that we're on, on track to see that happen now. Uh, with all due respect to Allen Robinson and Taylor Gabriel and Trey Burton, they came here because the Bears had the biggest offer. So I, I'm, I'm sorry to say that. It'd have to be the one who's pointing it out. But these guys uh-huh. are, are more often than not, in almost all cases, as they should be, they're trying to maximize their earning power. So mm-hmm. my guess is that uh, they were also following the money. But all that being said, when you look at the dynamic, as I just mentioned, with not only Nagy and Mitch Trubisky, but you, you have Jordan Howard, a Pro Bowl running back. You have Tariq Cohn, a, a space playmaker. And then you, you bring in Mark Helfrich uh, to, to run the offense along with Nagy. And, and you've got a couple other nice pieces here. So, yeah, I mean, this is a team whose arrow should be pointing up. And, um, and I like the idea that Ryan Pace was kind of bold in his attack because he's projecting a lot. I mean, we've seen Allen Robinson obviously be a pro bowler before, but there's a lot of projecting involved with Taylor Gabriel. He played great under Kyle Shanahan two years ago, and, uh, and not so much last year under Steve Sarkeesian. They couldn't quite unlock him. Uh, Trey Burton was an excellent tight end two or tight end three in Philadelphia and definitely answered the bell whenever, you know, Travis not Travis Kelty, excuse me, but uh, whenever Zach Ertz and, and Brent Selleck weren't available. Uh, but we've never seen him in this role where he got you know a bunch of guaranteed money. I'm sorry, the, the number escapes me right now, but he has a, he's going to be counted on to be a, a playmaker and be, to be a go-to guy here. So uh, there's some projecting involved, but uh, there's no debating that the Bears have you know immensely upgraded their, their supporting cast for Trubisky this offseason. Arthur, quick follow-up, and Fred's got his uh, draft uh, yellow pads uh, out there. Uh, this is from yeah. our guy Jeff Dickerson the other day to remind us, the Bears' offense last year, Fred, these numbers are so ugly, maybe that's why I tried to forget about them. The Bears last year ranked 29th in points scored, 30th offensively in total yards, and 32nd, that would be last, in passing yards. Yep. Just one quickie here, Arthur. Tariq Cohen, can these guys get him out in space 
So there's no one within 8, 10 yards of him when he catches the pass about 8 yards uh, downfield. I think so, yeah. I mean, I think uh, there's going to be innovation and, and some modern-day principles uh, it, within this offense that clearly weren't there in, in kind of John Fox's conservative and archaic approach. So, uh, yeah, I mean, all you got to do is look at what Tyrese Hill did last year. I'm not saying they're the same player. They don't even play the same position. Uh, but there's an understanding when you bring this, literally you're bringing a spread offense or at least uh, uh, a lot of you know principles from it into Mad Maggie's West Coast. You're going to blend them together. And, yes, I think it's going to be a catch-and-run offense. I think there's going to be vertical elements to it. Um, but the thing that excites me the most, and that, that goes for Taylor Gabriel and Tariq Cohn, two of the faster players, more explosive players in the league, uh, the Bears are going to use the whole field now, uh, whereas they haven't been interested or haven't been able to uh, in recent seasons. Wow. You know, I'm looking here, Arthur, and I always, when it, with the words mock draft come across my Twitter uh, or anywhere else, yeah. I'm looking at it. So I'm yeah. looking at the mock draft, and Pro Football Weekly has Arthur Arkish's mock draft, and I'm going, okay, I want to see who he's going to, is he going to take Quentin Nelson for the Bears? Is he going to, what's he going to do? And, and, and all of a sudden, you get a guy that I'm sure he's a fine player, Uh-oh. but he's not a name I've heard from Uh-oh. on a lot of the <laughs> other mock drafts. Could you explain who Marcus Davenport is and why he would be a good pick at number eight? Yeah, he's, uh, well, he'd be a good pick because his ceiling, uh, is really limitless. And we've seen from Ryan Pace in his first three drafts that those are the type of players, uh, that he targets. And they've obviously all been top 10 picks. You think about Kevin White and Leonard Floyd. Uh, they were spectacular athletes and physical specimens who were still catching up on the football side of things. You saw really nice flashes, uh, but not really complete players yet. So, uh, the thinking with Marcus Davenport is just that. Not only is, is pass rush the Bears' biggest need, in my opinion, but uh, when I, you know, when I settled on the Texas San Antonio pass rusher, and he's on track to be the first first rounder in that program's history, um, it, it was because you look at the guy. He's six uh, six six and a half. I want to say he's about two hundred and sixty five uh, ish pounds. And I watched him at the Senior Bowl up close in Mobile a couple months ago, and he started a little bit slow. Actually, there was an adjustment period for him, kind of playing with the big boys coming from. Uh, from UTSA, but by the time the week ended, by the time that Gabe arrived, you saw some some of his dominant ability, and uh, you can throw. I, I, I might as well. I could be talking about Tremaine Edmonds too, the Virginia right. Tech kid, because he's another guy that's definitely in play here. Um, but I just, I don't think you can ignore the profile that Ryan Pace has used for his first round picks, and that's what drew me uh, to Marcus Davenport. Uh, and then, of course, it's also the way the board's going to fall, which we can talk about too. It really just depends on how many quarterbacks go in front of them. Uh, obviously, the more the merrier in terms of uh, you know adding to the flexibility for Ryan Pace. So you think a pass rusher is more important for them because I'm looking here and I'm going down. You don't have Minka Fitzpatrick going till number eleven, the Alabama defensive back. If he's there, yep. you know obviously he's there in your mock draft. But you think that the edge rusher is somebody that they would go after instead of a defensive back. I do, and actually uh, I think just within the past 12 hours it sort of strengthened my stance on that. I believe it was Adam Kaplan of ESPN with the report that the Bears are bringing back Marcus Cooper. Uh, I'm not trying to get people excited what? about yeah, Marcus I Cooper. I have purposely, I have <laughs> me, purposely not mentioned that this morning because I didn't want yeah, well, people to be, go, be driving off the road. It's really a position thing. If you look at the way that uh, Ryan Pace has prioritized free agency with the Kyle Fuller contract, with the Prince of Makamura re-signing, and now with Marcus Cooper back, um, it tells me, and if you look around the league too, half of the trades that have occurred this offseason have been for cornerbacks. And yep. you've seen 
just a weird market. So that's one of my favorite parts, guys, about this time of the year is I feel like teams don't want to tell you anything, but their moves tip their hands a little bit, or at least they tip kind of uh, what their opinions are of the draft. So uh, excuse, I me. Uh, excuse me. Yes. Uh, maybe yep. I'm having a, a SIU Carbondale flashback. Uh, about a minute ago, did you just say Marcus Cooper might be coming back to the Bears? <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was Adam Kaplan's report on ESPN. The Bears have not. What? How can he be? <laughs> the Bears haven't confirmed it yet, but uh, I have no reason to believe Kaplan would be wrong. And guys, I got to say, if you're bringing him back to be your fourth corner, I have absolutely no problem with it. He already knows the scheme. He comes back at a more reasonable price, and he's a depth piece. And the reason that you make that signing is because you're opening up your options at number eight. Now, let me just be very clear. I think Micah Fitzpatrick is an excellent player, and I think in that mock draft with the Dolphins getting that number 11, and we should also point out the Bills jump in front of the Dolphins in that mock draft to get a quarterback. Um, but I, I think it would be as good a value as anyone in the round. I just think the Bears have already done a lot to address their pass rush. They, there may sure. be a scenario where they could move down a couple spots and still be in play for someone like a Davenport, a Tremaine Edmonds, move further down, and maybe a Harold Landry is also a consideration. Fred, where did Arthur have uh, a Quentin Nelson a guard out of Notre Dame going? Number five, I want to say, correct? Hmm. Oh, number uh, six. Number six I, I think number Colts. six. Yep, yeah. yep. The Colts uh, were able to trade down in this scenario um, and still land you know, what some people think is the best player in the whole draft. So I, I think Nelson would be a terrific get for the Bears, too, but I have a very ti- uh, hard time envisioning how he's going to be available. Couple minutes remaining, Arthur Arcus. Check out everything there as Fred is right now at profootballweekly.com. The crazy thing is, a month or two ago, I was saying, boy, it'd be great to get, you know, Quentin Nelson for the Bears to protect Trubisky and have him for 10 years. As everybody says, he's built like a bank vault, is what someone said. I I saw some of the highlights from his pro day the other day. It's a monster. But what happened about three, four, five weeks ago, Fred, Arthur, everybody's, everybody, those experts that Fred doesn't like to listen to anyway, all (laughs) said, you can't take a guard at eight. And now everyone said, he won't be there at eight. What the heck happened in the last four weeks where you couldn't take him at eight? Now he won't be there at eight. Well, I mean, I think we actually have to go back three or four years rather than three or four weeks. And we've seen some teams have some success. Uh, some success. Brandon Sheriff from Iowa was a top, uh, what, seven or eight pick by Washington. Uh, he's turned into a great selection. I know Zach Martin was a little bit further down, but he's already become a perennial all-pro. So, uh, in my opinion, that's not too rich for a guard because if you look at the way the league is trending right now, uh, who's supposed to guard, who's supposed to try and block guys like Aaron Donald? Um, right. you know, guys like, uh, you know, any of the, you know, a Leonard Williams type of player. They're interior pass rushers and you gotta be able to keep the interior clean. And let's remember Ryan Pace came from New Orleans. I know Mitch Trubisky's a little bit taller than Drew Brees, uh, but that's what we've seen with the Saints doing for the past decade and a half is putting their offensive line money inside, uh, to make sure that pocket is clear. So I think it makes sense and he looks like a can't miss prospect. So, the idea of potentially pairing him with Harry Heastand would be wonderful, but again, I just I don't I don't think he gets past the Colts. Hey, great stuff, Arthur. Uh, what can the fans find uh, when they get to ProFootballWeekly.com besides how to subscribe and send some dough over to <laughs> to you and Pop? Yeah, thanks for asking, guys. We actually have a great contest going right now. We just launched a couple weeks ago. It's called the Team for the Ages. We're celebrating our 50 year golden anniversary. Uh, fans get a chance to vote for the top 50 modern players of the NFL era and enter uh, for a trip to Winda to go to Atlanta next year for the Super Bowl. So very exciting stuff there. And then all the draft coverage. I mean, whatever you're looking for, you're going to find it at ProFootballWeekly.com. We also have a free draft newsletter that we'd love it if people signed up for. Great way to get exclusive content in their uh, inbox first thing in the morning, five days a week. 
And for what it's worth, it's a great value. Yeah, that's right. I <laughs> appreciate you saying so. But, yeah, we're really excited about the draft coverage this year, guys. So make sure you check us out at ProFootballWeekly.com. And uh, uh, we're only amping up as we go, what, about five weeks left to go. Cool. Thanks a million for your time there, Arthur. Thanks, Arthur. Of course. Have a great weekend. See, ramble on. You to ramble on. There you go. Ramble on. See, he knew that the name of the song, Something's Happening Here, the real name is For What It's Worth. Very cool. I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. 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 He's been hanging around. Uh, yep. Well, hand-me-downs. You know, as you get older, sometimes you, you you pick through your father's records. Maybe he did. Let's get the results when we return. We've got six great uh, Loyola Rambler questions on the Twitter poll. Let's wrap that up when we return. Hey, he's the guy that we love to visit with about every two, three months. Mark Potash, feature columnist, Chicago Sun-Times, covers all the teams, sprays all fields. He's here at 11, but we'll be back in a flash. Murph and Fred, ESPN 1000, Ramble on. Busy day. Glad you're with us. Hope you're having a great Saturday. Don't forget 5 p.m. right here, Loyola, K-State. Brought to you by Westwood One, 5 o'clock right here. Hey, let's talk Ramblers. All right, Fred. Got some random notes here. Random thoughts, dot, dot, dot. Okay. But our number two uh, Twitter poll earlier today, Loyola is winning due to coaching. Skill of the players, miracle from above, and luck. And uh, we'll get the final results by noon, but the fans voted uh, then in the 9 o'clock hour. Well, coaching. They're winning due to coaching. Got some little notes here, Fred. You and I don't do a lot of deep X's and O's, but uh-huh. you know what? Everyone's talking ramblers. They move. Here's just some random thing. You know, the way they move the ball, you know, the, the old five-plus passes like Hoosiers, Hickory, you know, and six, seven sometimes. Patience for the shot. Well, the one thing, and real quickly, yeah. uh, since you said mentioned passes, mm-hmm. uh, I took this note down because at halftime they were talking about how seven dribble drives led to a Towns three in the first half of the game, which uh, capped off a 20-4 to four run. Seven dribble drives. So basically... They dribble, they start to drive, they kick off someone else. Do it again <laughs> and again. Seven of them in one possession. Amazing. Setting up the, the town's three. So that's where we're going to need a lot of that today because uh, K-State's a really good defensive so, team. So like they'll tilt a world at the uh, fair, the county fair. And they, uh-huh. When you get out of it, you never know where you're going to go. That's sort of like they're doing. They're doing like a tilt a world. And you know, this has been talked about, but that reverse layup that they do. Yeah. I don't know if that's been coached into them from Porter um, uh, Moser, Moser yeah. or, or if that's something that uh, guys like, uh, well, you know, Custer did it. They all do it. They all did it because... You're trying to shake a big man. By well, it. if you watch early in the game, uh, they had three or four uh, layups that were blocked. So, yes. so they really had to find, try to figure out how to get to the basket and actually score. And uh, they had eight uncontested layups. In that, uh, you know, in that second half mm-hmm. when they had the 13 straight baskets. And the coaching changes at halftime. They take the big center uh, out, of, out of the game, uh, Krutwig. Uh, Krutwig. Krutwig, Krutwig, rather. Right. Thank you. And uh, they put their uh, Erzatz, uh, you know, sixth man in there, Andre uh, Jackson. Jackson. That changed the whole game. Yeah. The big guy in the middle, he had two, three quick baskets, but 
he just wasn't able. They had, but they lost the ball six, seven times trying to get it into yes, him. They Remember, yeah, they were throwing some bad passes. They lob, were trying to loft them. Lob passes. That wasn't working. I mean, bounce passes into the guy in the middle seemed to work a little yeah. bit better. But uh, yeah, they're gonna. He's gonna. Have, he's gonna be there this week, or he's gonna be there tonight. Uh, yeah. At the start of the game, I would think that yeah. uh, Crutwig will start once again. Coaching has been just amazing. We'll get back to the uh, Ramblers beat in a little while. Uh, one minute uh, after we, we return, it'll be Mark Potash. We're going to cover all fields with the featured columnist from the Sun-Times. Last chance, vote right now, Murph and Fred at ESPN 1000. ...away from Mark Potash, and uh, you'll hear Loyola, the Ramblers... K State, uh, what are the Wildcats? Wildcats. Wildcats. Yep. They'll be right here 5 p.m. for you, brought to you by Westwood One. Let's go to the featured columnist, Chicago Sun Times. He pops up like whack a mole. You never know who he's going to be covering, but we love it when he has a few minutes for us. Let's say hello to Mark Hodash from the Sun Times. Marcus, Murph, and Fred, good morning. Hey, Murph. Hey, Fred. How you guys doing? Doing great, Mark. We're doing great. You know, I go back far enough to remember uh, Swisheroo. It goes through two more points on the Ganella scoreboard, Red Rush. And as a young, young lad with the radio on, the famous uh, uh, national champions back in the day. Uh, you're too young. Fred's too young. But how wonderful is this for the, uh, just in general, you don't have to be a Rambler fan, but everyone's, so like St. Patrick's Day, everybody's Irish today. Everybody, Mark, is a Rambler's fan today. Uh, Murph, I think it's like one of the best stories uh, we've had in a long time here for a lot of reasons. It's great for Loyola. They're kind of, uh, they've always kind of been in the, in, in the background, especially with DePaul being big in the 80s. And uh, it's great for their school, for Porter Moser, who's a local guy who's, who's, who you know, has, did not make the tournament previous stops but has here. It's, you know, it's finally worked. It's great for him. Um, it's also great for college basketball in this state, which has been unbelievable, embarrassingly horrid mm. uh, with regard to making the tournament in recent years. I mean, we're such a proud basketball state. I've covered a lot of high school basketball in Chicago in the area, and there's been so many great players, but uh, Illinois, Northwestern, uh, you know, all these teams, uh, you know, even even teams like Southern Illinois, Illinois State, I mean, all our local teams, DePaul, of course, have just not been able to make the tournament. For So, so for Loyola to make the tournament and make this great run, uh-huh. I think it's just fantastic on, on a lot of levels. It's, it's just been mm. kind of, it's been exhilarating. Mark, Fred, uh, we had a uh, Twitter poll, a Loyola Twitter poll a little while ago. I haven't heard the results yet. Eric Ostrowski, EO11. This ties into what you were uh, saying a bit. The question was, what's the best thing? Multiple choice. Best thing about the Ramblers, uh, uh, the Ramblers' best trait, and it was uh, teamwork, likability, no superstars, or D, my vote, a small, clean program. Eric, just interested. What the fans say? This has been up on the board now for about two and a half, two hours. Well, what was the winner on the best thing about the Ramblers? Teamwork, likability, no superstars, small, clean program. Okay, at the top with 40% of the votes is teamwork. In second is yours with 28% is the small, clean program. Hmm. I don't discount this. Fred, uh, Mark, that fans, you know what, all the years of scandals and innuendos and who's getting money under the table, 
you know what? Now, these guys, who knows? I mean, I, I don't I do a forensic look at the books, but, you know, a clean, small program. Don't you think that has a lot to do with the embracing of these guys uh, coast to coast? Well, I think so, Murph. I think it's a it's a good point. Uh, you know, I'll be honest. I don't know what this is going to lead to. Um, I don't know if this. I, I actually doubt this will be lead to a renaissance of Loyola basketball. I don't. I don't. I don't think they'll. It, it'll be really difficult for them to still. You know, to, mm-hmm. to get like bigger recruits like DePaul did when they were. You know, when, that was a totally different era when they started getting a lot of stars. So I don't know what this is going to become. But just the fact that how organic this is, how natural, how how. Uh, just how pure the purity of it, I guess, is, is, is I guess enticing, mm-hmm. and especially this team. You know, you mentioned the teamwork, and just this team is to me is very reminiscent of the Illinois team in 0405, which obviously was a more talented team. But you know, they were a great they they had great chemistry. They were a great passing team. They did a lot of fundamental things, right? You know, that team only had one McDonald's All American and two top fifty players. They were really kind of a, a, a well put together team of underrated players, and they played so well that the the, the extra extra pass. That kind of started with that Illinois team that got all those open threes, and and, and this team, that Loyola team, is very to me is very much like that. They're, they're a special team, and and here's the funny thing is just like with Illinois, that's a tough thing to replicate. You know, it looks like you can just plug in players. I mean, these are pretty, you know, average to good college players, and you think, well, you can keep getting more of those. I think this is just a special group that plays well together and is is very instinctive and is really uh, really taken to Porter Moser's coaching. So it's I guess what I'm saying is it's kind of unusual. It really appreciate it because I can't say this is going to happen again. Huh. No, you can't visit with Mark Potash. Before we get to baseball, uh, we have a caller, George and Joliet. Fellas, we had a uh, Loyola Twitter poll also earlier in the day, Mark. Loyola is winning due to A, B, C, or D. Coaching, players' talent and skills, miracle from above, and luck. And the earlier results, let's bring in EO11, Erica, about an hour and a half ago, coaching had 36% of the uh, votes, player skill and talent right behind at 31, and 26% a miracle from above, Sister Jean, and uh, 12% said luck. Where do we stand now, uh, Eric? Okay, at the top now, it's up to 38% coaching, mm-hmm. 29% skill, okay. 21%. Oh, thank God. Miracle from above and 12% <laughs> luck. Thank you, Rick. Let's go to George was on the line here and Joliet. Hello. Hey, George, Murph, Fred, Mark Potash, jump in. Go. Hey, I just want to say, hey, Mark Potash is absolutely right in that it is 100% the kids. Because if this guy has done it before, he should have done it at Illinois State and everybody else. He has a great recruiting class, great kids. They know how to handle situations. They keep on having a different person step up. That's not done from coaching. The coaching puts them in the right spot, but he's done a good job recruiting. All so right. if he wants to look Go ahead. All right. No, that's great, George. I uh, appreciate your call phone again. Yeah, I see. And Mark, I say this every time I give my wife uh, my paycheck. You can only do so much with so little. Uh, so you can be the best coach in the world, and if you don't have the talent, you can't win. You need talent to win, but you also need coaching. You've seen, we've seen many teams that are talented, and they just don't have the coaching, and they can't figure it out, especially in college basketball, Mark. Yeah, and Fred, I also think, like I was saying before, I think it's a combination of just getting the right, not not just from a talent level, just the right type of kids with the right coach, and that's what makes it work. In other words, 
you know, Loyola can get better players off of this, and they might not, and they probably probably won't have as good a team, or might not have as good a team because just the chemistry, the way they respond to this coach, sure. is so. It's, it's to me, it's like an overlooked factor in in, in basketball at, at every level. Is just the way they respond. It, it's it's like uh, it's kind of like lightning in a bottle kind of thing. And I'm not saying this is a fluke by any stretch, but I'm just saying it's a, just a unique situation where with a group of players that are hungry and came up a certain way, and 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 really. Uh, the, the coaches and a, and a coach whose whose message really resonates. So I think it's a combination of the of the, of the right place, mm. the right time, and I think that's what makes it special. But cool. also makes it difficult to re, to replicate. No one can spread all fields uh, better than Mark Potash. Fred's got his White Sox uh, yellow pad out. I got my Cub yellow pad out. Let's, yeah, we're going to skip your Blackhawk thoughts right now. <laughs> let's so. sprinkle the infield a little bit. Fred, what do you have with Mark? <laughs> well, I just I mean, there's a there's a lot of people, Mark. We look at at baseball. I mean, there's a lot of people. The, the South Side probably for the first time in a long time is actually looking forward to it and uh, I'm not sure what their tickets or sales are like or anything like that but it should be a fun season to see what some of these uh, guys that they've actually can Moncada do anything in the second year can he improve can this pitching staff of Giolito and uh, Ronaldo Lopez can they actually start to form a base of a nice pitching rotation it's got to be fun looking forward everybody I mean Murph will talk about the Cubs but it's got to be fun for White Sox fans as they get ready for a season that is like like a season before the season before the season. Well, uh, Fred, I, maybe it's overstating it, but I believe you know. In mapping out, uh, you know, my my spring and summer, I actually want to go to see a, a Lucas Giolito start. That, sure. that, to me, that 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 is a, a, a sign, a good sign for the for the White Sox right there. That just shows you how much if people think along the same lines, I guess. But that just shows you how, how much different this is than last year, when last year it was a lot of, uh, there was a lot of excitement, but it was a lot of it was on paper. I think this year it's expected to be uh, because of what happens on the field. I think the White Sox over 68 and a half wins is one of the best bets in Vegas, to tell you the truth. I think they're going to be a better team if their pitching holds up. I mean, that is, I mean, that's obviously, uh, it's obviously a, a huge factor, but but I think it will be pretty good. So I, I, and I think these guys will get better because I think their hitters are going to be better. So it's not like this pitching staff is going to have to carry them. It's not like the hitters are going to. Be, I, I just think it's a good situation on the south side. I think this is as optimistic as uh, as the Sox as people have been about the White Sox in a long time. Well, uh, about an hour ago, we played uh, the average game where Fred and I each throw our numbers in. We picked the average, uh, and uh, the White Sox was uh, the question. Sixty-seven wins last year. How many this year on the? count of three i said 70 fred had him up to 75 for the average of 72 and a half so picking up five six seven wins is never easy i i just hope Sox fans enjoy you know going out and watching you know the players of the future because you know unless you got that repeating type thing or a strong team that everyone's picking there's nothing more there's nothing worse than watching old guys lose and there's nothing more fun than watching your future guys improve, right, fellas? Especially when one of the old guys has been traded for Fernando Tatis. Oh, you had to bring that up. <laughs> yeah, but then again, Mark, think about it. He was 17. I mean, you know. No, I'm not saying it was a mistake, Fred. Right. I mean, I mean yeah. obviously, in hindsight, I'm not saying I, w- I, w- I'm not saying I wouldn't have done that right. or whatever. But it's still a frustration for White Sox fans that, you know, James Shields, uh, He's going to have to have a heck of a year. <laughs> there's almost nothing he can do. It's a, it's a tough situation for James because there's almost nothing he can do short of winning a Cy Young Award to really, at this point, to, to be worth it. So uh, that's obviously a difficult 
situation, I guess, for him. We were talking, I don't know if it's still hot stove, I guess it's not, but how both sides of town, Mark Potash, have the leadoff hitter, as as of today at least, a switch hitter in his uh, really second sort of full year, uh, Yohan Mankata, switch hitter, leading off for the White Sox, Ian Happ, leading off a switch hitter uh, for the Cubs. Not to compare the two, because we don't know enough about either one, but uh, what do you see from the two? Not uh, comparing, but uh, give us a little uh, crystal ball, Mankata and then Ian Happ, both in those uh, top-of-the-order uh, switch hitter slots. Well, I, I don't know if they're the same. They're probably, I think they're different hitters, but I think they're at the same stage of development where they're just ready to take off. And I think it'll be interesting. It's a good point about leading off where, um, you know, that's been a problem. That was a bigger problem for the Cubs than I think they thought. Is it interesting this team with so much depth and so many good hitters really kind of needed a, a, a leadoff hitter, even though I guess you could argue that the typical leadoff guy is not needed as much. Uh, so, uh, yeah, no, I think uh, I think uh, I think they're both going to have uh, good years. Hap, uh, to me, seems like a guy who's a little bit, I wouldn't say, you can't say a Cub is underrated, but maybe a little underrated as far as a guy who can, you know, you're looking at all these guys, you know, Russell, Baez, Schwarber, they're all, they all need to have takeoff seasons, right? I mean, they need to, you know, they've done well so far, they need to grow. Hap is the guy who I think is kind of below them but could rise above those guys this year. The uh, oldest phrase in the world, which I've never used in my life, but bullpen by committee. Oh, I said it, but I don't like it. Why do people get so upset about hearing bullpen by committee? Now, let's look at the Cubs. Uh, Morrow will be the ninth inning guy out of the box. Had two saves last year, 18 career behind uh, Kenley Jansen. We all know that. But what's wrong with having C-Sheck, who has closed before? He's an eighth-inning guy, popping him in there. Uh, C.J. Edwards, Kyle Edwards Jr., popping him in there. If uh, Wilson, the lefty, can ever find a plate. You know, everyone's more and more cognizant that if you're lucky enough, fellas, to get to the postseason, you're going to be like Morrow. He pitched in all seven games in the World Series last year for the Dodgers. You can't just run these guys out there even though Joe did that uh, with Chapman, who was leaving. But are you old school, or maybe it's new school, too? Bullpen by committee, does that mean you really don't have one? Well, I guess I'm more in line thinking with that, because okay. I think, Murph, uh, just the mentality of the closer has kind of uh, become such a big thing that I think it's tougher for guys who mm-hmm. pitch the eighth to pitch the ninth. I think it's just the way guys are brought up now. I think it was easier maybe in the old days to just take their role, but now that role is seen as such a monumental thing, the ninth inning. You know, in our day, Bruce Sir came in in the seventh inning. It wasn't yeah. even a big deal. Right, right, you know exactly. what I mean? And he closed. <laughs> so the whole idea of getting that last out, yeah. getting that, it is such a big thing. It's such a mental thing now oh. that it's made it's made a bullpen by committee a little bit of a red flag. You know, it's like if you have two quarterbacks, you have none. So I okay. not that it, I mean it has worked before and it can work before, but you need special guys to do it, and it's still it's still questionable whether Morrow is that. You know, ninth inning guy. Mm-hmm. Mark, we were lucky enough to have uh, John Lester on the other day, and I asked him, I said, listen, I go, when the season starts, are you expecting some confusion? Like, for example, Contreras starts coming out to the mound. He said, no, 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 you can't come out. Or, you know, all of a sudden you see Chris Bryant walking on over, and he said, no, no, you can't do this. And he has no idea what's going to happen with these rules. What are your thoughts first on the rules, and you think that's going to work at all and achieve what the what baseball wants to cut down on time? And do you th- Or do you think it's just all a big lot to do about nothing? 
Well, I'm not really sure, Fred. I think one thing is they better, right from the very start, make sure exactly where the parameters are. Yeah. I mean, they almost get, they're almost going to need to have like a ring around the mound that you can't cross <laughs> in order to do that. I'm not kidding. Uh-huh. Because it's just like, you know, when the NBA says they're going to uh, clamp down on hand checking, then nothing happens. Yeah. You know, Major League Baseball says they're going to clamp down on box, then nothing happens. I mean, mm. it just it just seems like it could fall into that gray area where everybody's confused and it becomes like the catch rule in football where everybody's all aggravated and trying to find some kind of leadership from above to say, hey, what is the real deal here? <laughs> so it, it'll be interesting to see. But like I said, we're, you're going to see that circular line, uh, you know, the circle around the, uh, in the infield so sooner or later because everyone's, you know, there's so much gamesmanship in baseball, especially with sign stealing and things like that, that you know if anybody can take advantage of it, they're going to do it. Well, and the one thing that Lester said is he goes, you're going to see me sometimes backing up home plate on ground balls the first just because I want to get close to the catcher to find out what we're going to do with the next guy. And that's something that the umpires are going to have to figure out because a lot of times the first the pitcher just stands there and now all of a sudden he's going to be, he may be moving around a little bit trying to get in a nice position. Oh no, Mark, Fred, I just thought of this one. What if this happens? So the uh, shortstop comes in like to use the thing to scrape his uh, spikes by the pitcher's Can't mouth. Can't do that. That's a trip. And then the other manager says, no, what? Now they, are they going to have to go on a challenge instant replay? <laughs> that's all they need. You I saw him. He talked to the pitcher. That's one of your six. Let's talk a little Bears final couple of minutes. Nice enough with his personal time as always. Mark Potash featured column the Chicago Sun-Times. You covered the Bears. You saw every Bears game last year, preseason. You name it. You're writing about it with your colleagues all the time. What would you like to see happen in the draft? Would the perfect world be, oh, my guy, I guess Quentin Nelson two months ago was saying they need someone up front to block for Trubisky for many, many years. And, ah, Murphy can't take a guard in the eighth slot. Now they're saying he'll never fall to the eighth slot. What would be what would be perfect world for you, uh, for the Bears, Mark? Uh, mine would be uh, somehow uh, trading up to get Bradley Chubb, the, the pass oh. rusher, because this team needs a pass mm-hmm. rusher pretty badly now. They must feel pretty confident that they can fill the void because they're cutting players who have been productive. Uh, you know, uh, you know Willie Young, one of them, who's okay, you're coming off an injury, and uh, and so they they must have a lot of faith in Leonard Floyd. But there's no doubt that they need that, and that's like that. That's a and that is definitely pie in the sky. They you know, unless sure. everybody ta- unless everybody ahead of them takes a quarterback, which yeah. the way they're going, you never know. <laughs> uh, they're not going to have that opportunity. So I think trading up would be the only way to really get that kind of player. But yeah, I think uh, I think a pass rusher is is uh, uh, you know the, the the guard. I think I know that's a once in a generation type guard uh, prospect. But if you just I just you know I've just looked over. If you look over at the Super Bowl teams, uh, you know that's a position that you can fill in. I mean, uh-huh. it's great if you can get that player if you, if you have the luxury. It's like the first, like the like Phil Emery's first draft. When he took uh, Shane McClellan, he, uh, he had a chance to get David DeCastro, who was supposed to be like the, like uh, uh, Nelson, right. a top ten guy who dropped to twentieth, mm-hmm. and and sure enough, has been like a three or four time Pro Bowl player. That would that, there's your guard, but that's at twenty. At eight, you can get you can get a better play, you can get a better uh, uh, an impact player who affects your team more that you can't replace. All right. Uh, and so I think a, a guard would be to me difficult at that at that stage. At twenty, yes. At, at eight, no. So I think that's why I say the, the guy you want is some kind of pass rusher. If you can work that out, uh, then uh, the, the, then it obviously be a best-case scenario for the Bears. 
Hey, great stuff. I don't, Mark, I don't know if you heard that Fred had a little aside a few minutes ago. He said, don't worry, Mark, we're not going to talk about the Blackhawks. It's, it's uh, almost, I'm all it's, for that. Yeah, <laughs> it's <laughs> almost embarrassing. But you know something? I will say this. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that it, it's, uh, it, it, it's, it's possible that this is just a blip instead of a downturn. And I think if they get Corey Crawford back and they get some growth from within, which I think they have the potential to do with with Schmaltz and Debrinkit, I think they can they can become like you know uh, like the Bruins have and like the Kings have and become contenders or at least playoff a playoff team again. So I don't think this is the beginning of a, of a huge darn, downturn where you know they're missing the playoffs every year. Man about town featured columnist Chicago sometimes Mark. Potash. Mark, as always, fans love hearing from you. We appreciate your personal time on a busy Saturday. Thanks a million. Thanks, Mark. Thanks, Fred. Always great to talk to you guys. Thanks, Mark. Thanks a million. Mark Potash. Uh, can visit with him for yeah. another half hour. Yeah, and I'm I'm still sticking with the Blackhawks mm-hmm. panicked last year. Mm-hmm. I know there were some salary cap things, but I thought they panicked when they lost in the first round to Nashville. And by making the move to get rid of uh, Artemi Panarin mm-hmm. and, and uh, Jarmelson, yeah. I don't know that those were absolutely necessary. Everybody told me I was nuts that Brendan Saab was a better two-way player. I, don't, I want to get his put the puck in the net, and that's what uh, Panarin continues to do in Columbus. Let the record show not a second guess. You said that the, uh, the day it happened. The day after. I could not believe it. Yeah, I mm-hmm. just, yeah, how do you get rid of a guy that scored and had such a camaraderie mm-hmm. and a, um, you know, chemistry with Patrick Kane? You know why they did it? Because they needed someone to have a chemistry with Jonathan Taves and they couldn't find anybody. Hey, we're going to uh, break in a moment here. When we come back, the yellow pad. I got a lot of notes here on the yellow pad. Fred, I actually watched a few minutes after NCAA back and forth last night of the Bulls. Don't ask me why. But did you see the attendance figures of per no, chance? I did not. I don't think anybody looked at this. I did it, so you all didn't have to. Uh, and they're not on the regular. Uh, I know. There's yeah. only one place you can find oh, I got them. Him. I got them here. So they always print, well, some of the sources, I'm sorry, not yeah. all. They print the paid attendance tickets sold last night or the game and in parentheses what the arena holds. In other words, full attendance, right? A sellout. United Center holds 20,917 for Bulls games. Configured a little differently, obviously, for hockey. 20,917 would be what you'd call a uh, old-fashioned, run-of-the-mill uh, garden variety sellout. Right. 20,900. Last night, the Bulls sold 21,700 tickets. Yep. How does that happen? Yeah, there's some standing room, I guess. Well, I mean, oh, no, I know that, unless you're sitting on someone's lap. Right. But who bought these tickets and when did they buy them? Or are these Detroit fans drove from Milwaukee. Detroit? No, I mean, I'm Milwaukee. sorry. They're Milwaukee fans. Milwaukee fans that drove be. to they, see their team, the eighth place uh, yeah, team. They wanted to see uh, Giannis, and he didn't play either. <laughs> so good luck to them. Jabari Parker uh, played. He went three for ten in 30 minutes. That was mm-hmm. that was not impressive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did not watch any of the uh, Bulls. No, I was watching the NCAA. I just stumbled on for a minute there. Yeah. Hey, you know what we do not have time to talk about is the NFL catch rule. Is that okay with you? That's fine. Until we question it. <laughs> until we question it on the, on the first catch next year, we, there's no reason to talk about it. All I can figure is that still no one knows what it is, and the referees sort of, if I see it and I know it, then it is. 
is well, is basically that, everything that was not a catch last year yeah. is going to be a catch this year. All right, right. That's how that's how it's going to work. So there's they, no no the, interpretation at all. The Zach Miller catch, right? The uh, Jesse James right. catch of the goal line for the Steelers. Okay. Those are all catches. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, the uh, nothing to interpret though no. anymore. Calvin Johnson catch against the Bears that yeah. set this whole stupid rule I into motion. That. That's a catch. Okay. Everything's a catch. So the refs will just say everything's a catch. They should, well, they may as well. Because the last thing they want to do is get in another one of these uh, brouhaha's. Yeah. Ha, is that ha, a catch? Ha. Yes, it is. He can, he's he got the ball, and uh, <laughs> he's still got the ball. Hey, Lyola Rambos fans, stick around before uh, noon. We will replay our uh, mini-mix EO11 put together, highlighting the uh, uh, fun uh, game uh, three. And uh, we'll review the uh, Loyola Twitter poll. Yeah, breaking baseball been... news. Okay. The Seattle Mariners have just released uh, Gordon Beckham. <laughs> I thought they did two years ago. Back in a flash. Murph and Fred till noon is vote now at ESPN 1000. Swell a fella. Danilo. Loyola. Ramblers. 5 p.m. right here. ESPN 1000. And this hour is brought to you by Wilmot Mountain. Enjoy spring skiing and snowboarding just over the Wisconsin border. Now through Sunday. That'll be tomorrow, March 25th. Reduced price lift tickets. Details at WilmotMountain.com. Uh-huh. And, uh, of course, the Loyola Ramblers uh, K-State here at 5 p.m. is brought to you by Westwood One. All right, Fred, last to cover. We're going to also have the results of the uh, Loyola Twitter poll. And uh, final listen, stick around. Miss a little, miss a lot. EO11 put together a great uh, sort of mini mix of uh, Game 3, Loyola. And uh, stick around for that if you have some friends that uh, are Loyola people, fans, rather. Uh, let them know. Stick around here. Loyola talk coming up in a few minutes. Let's go to the yellow pad. I got so much yellow mellow. So much on the yellow pad, Fred. All right, where do we start? Number one. Bulls games number 80 and 81. I'm still intrigued by this. Yes, you are. 82-game season. Yep. No one seems to be talking about the Bulls in their next-to-last final two games, if that's worded incorrectly. I believe it was incorrect. Games 80 and 81, they played back-to-back, home-and-home, against the Brooklyn Nets, who right now, the Bulls are, I believe, a game and a half behind on Fred. You always have your famous... Uh, My tankathon. Reverse standings tankathon. Tankathon's great. Yeah. Right now... Brooklyn is 23 and 50. The Bulls are 24 and 48. There is a game and a half difference. Bulls have lost four in a row. Brooklyn's lost two in a row. Hmm. So. And uh, I believe Sacramento is, is in between. Uh, They're a half game in better. the middle. Half game better because they've, yeah. uh, half game better meaning worse than the Bulls because they are 24 and 49. They have right. same amount of wins, one more loss than the Bulls. But the Bulls can take care of that tonight. You pick up about two more ping pong balls out of a hundred. Each slot you move up there. 2.8% if you finish 8, 4.3 if you're up to 7, 6.3. So, uh, there's seven, they say good, great players in the draft. Yeah. So, uh, the Bulls, uh, hanging right in there at number eight, but home and home with Brooklyn to leapfrog them. Next on the yellow pad, John Fox. Now, a lot of talk this week. Here's a guy that never talked to the media. Fred, I heard you, so I'm going to uh, bury the lead here. Uh, I agree with you. I think he's going to, 
be pretty good at what he does as yeah. a network analyst. As we've sit back and listened to all the silly questions some of the media people answered, uh, they want answers. And you know what? Head coaches, uh, they're there for a press conference, but they're rarely there to give the exact correct answers. And no, they have to do they? a lot of tiptoeing and dancing. Mm-hmm. I hear so many times people say, well, I just want them to be honest with you. That's not their job. Their job is to coach a football team. It's not to be honest with the media. So now, as John Fox doesn't have to worry about mm-hmm. that, I got a feeling he's going to be great. So I could be wrong, but I think it'll be wonderful. Now, there is my uh, old, uh, what I call the five-year rule, where uh, athletes for five years uh, until uh, the time passes, if they get right a radio or TV gig yeah. right away, uh, an A-Rod type guy or whatever, it usually takes about five years before they really don't care anymore. Uh-huh. Before, oh, I can't say that about that guy. I knew that guy. I played with him. After five years, the guys they play with are usually gone, or they don't care anymore. Like, hey, you know what? I'm doing pretty good at this TV gig. I got to start firing a few shots out here. Sure. So, and not that John Fox is going to be hatchet man. Don't get me wrong, but it'll be very important if he can separate. Uh, you know, just philosophical. Well, you know, the, the corners in general have to rotate left to right, and da, 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 or actually saying, well, you know what? It was Kyle Fuller yep. that blew the coverage. But we'll see. I'm on your side, Fred. He's a defensive guy, so we'll mm-hmm. see how things go when he's uh, breaking down the defenses. Yellow pad, Davey Martinez. Wait, I remember that name. Who is he again? Well, Davey Martinez, bench coach, 10 years next to Joe Madden with the Cubs and down there with the uh, Tampa uh, Bay back in the day. Davey Martinez, little note this week. Did you see this, Fred? Now uh, by the Washington Nationals manager. Now we placed it uh, Dusty. And uh, he says, uh, you know what? I'm thinking about betting uh, Bryce Harper, slugging right fielder, leadoff. Uh-huh. And I'm thinking... Yeah. You're standing too near Joe Madden and Theo's a computer system sure. the last few Ivy. years. Ivy, yep. thank you. Yep. Before that, Carmine. Uh, and they said, bet Schwerber. Lead off Schwerber. So Davey Martinez wants to put one of the power-hitting uh, uh, guys in the game, RBI uh, stat filler, counting stats as they call him, in the leadoff slot. If he does that, then I'm going to have to say to him, you know what? You were too near to Joe all those years. Yeah. I, I just my prediction is, yeah. uh, and I don't like making predictions. Usually, uh, I like breaking stuff down after it happens. But I think that Bryce Harper is not Bryce Harper is not the player everybody thinks he is. I don't think I Bryce. Know. No, I, know. I don't think Bryce Harper is the stud that everybody thinks he is. Mm-hmm. I don't think Manny Machado is either. They're just young free agents that will probably get make a lot of money. But mm-hmm. you know, there are many. There are many. There are several players better than those two out there. I'm As a so- matter of fact, one of them plays third base for the Cubs. Oh, by the way, the Washington Nationals, they have Adam Eaton. Yep. Who, when healthy, is maybe the best leadoff hitter out there. And their number two hitter, Trey Turner, who got hurt last year also. Look his numbers up. Here's a guy that does nothing but the jack yeah. the ball, gap power, get on base, steal bases. You're going to bet them behind Harper? Yeah, no. that doesn't make no, sense. Davey. Well, you know what, though? On the second time around, right. uh, you know, maybe they'll bet him uh, them seventh and eighth or eighth and ninth and hit their pitcher seventh. You're only the leadoff hitter once. Jeez. Oh, go away! Uh, Twin Peaks. So I'm listening to the uh, broadcast, ESPN 1000. I'm listening to Yurko and the guys the other day, and I think I hear Yurko's going to be at Twin Peaks, 5 p.m. till 7 p.m. today in Orland Park. I go, that's 10 minutes from me. Uh-huh. So I get in the car about a little after 5 o'clock, get to Twin Peaks, go in there. 
There's no nothing. There's no setup. There's no Yurko. There's no ESPN 1000 banners up. So I either heard the wrong day or what? The wrong maybe time? You maybe you didn't find Couldn't find him. He was hiding. No, no, no. I didn't see Yurko. No, Yurko. Yurko, I made the effort to go visit you. I got the timer. Then you say the lovely day when you get home. Where were you? I said, oh, I was at Twin Peaks. Yeah. Yo, what were you doing there? How's that one fly? I was looking for Yurko. Uh-huh. Oh, how's he doing? He went there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yellow pad is full. But let's get back to our Loyola Twitter poll questionnaire for the day. Let's bring in Eric Ostrowski. All right, Eric, let's fly through these. The winners of our uh, six Twitter poll questions. Number one, who's your favorite rambler? Uh Clayton, Custer, Ben Richardson, Marquise Towns, or Dante Ingram, who defends the night. Their favorite rambler with 53% of the vote is Clayton Custer. No doubt about it. He's been terrific. Point guard out there, driving, dishing off. Number two, Loyola is winning due to multiple choice coaching, talent and skill of the players, the miracle from above or luck. Winner? Winner, winner, 37%. <laughs> Coaching. Love it. Was skill and uh, talent was about 31 before and miracle from above right there. Close number three, right? Right. Number third place with 22% of the vote. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. I'm getting hungry. Number three. Do you like the nickname the Ramblers? Yes or no? Please tell me, the fans, we got to love the Ram- Oh, that's right. You voted against it earlier today, Eric. I'm in the minority because over two-thirds with 77% say okay. yes, they do like the nickname. Okay. You got a better option right there, young man, uh, since you voted no before? I mean, I just don't know why you're naming it after a bunch of people that couldn't find a home. You are you are correct. It's over two-thirds, but it would also be over three-quarters, wouldn't it? That's what I was going for, too. That's funny. <laughs> Named after the 1951 Nash Rambler automobile my dad had that rusted out in three years, but he kept it for seven. Next is, uh, he was lucky to have enough money to buy the Nash Rambler in 1951. And, you know, Cicero, Fred. Oh, yeah. You got to show me and show you. Next. Oh, I like this one. The best thing about the Ramblers, ABC, teamwork, likability, no superstars or it's a small, clean program. At the top with 40% of the, the vote is the best thing about the Ramblers is their teamwork. Okay. What was next? In second place with 27% is what you voted for, the small, clean program. I love it. Next, multiple choice. The Loyola Ramblers will advance tonight to the final four. B, they'll advance all the way to the finals. C, they're going to win it all. D, going to lose tonight. 66% believe there's a victory tonight and they advance to the final oh, four. I love it. That Only 4% think they win their next game and advance to the finals. 10% says they win it all and 20% <laughs> say they lose tonight. Oh, the 10% say they're going to win it all? Yep. Okay. Fred, I heard that uh, chuckle you tried to mask uh, there. Uh-huh. No, okay. I wasn't trying to mask it. <laughs> it's just, you know, Loyal has been a fun story, but to think they're going to win it all. It's an, it's, an eight seed, it's a ninth seed tonight, right? 11 against the 9. Yeah. yeah. What the heck? They're going to win this. And my favorite Twitter poll question of all time, final one was a yes or no. 
could you get in a car right now and get to the Loyola campus without a GPS or a map? And no one knows what a map is, so I didn't even put map on the question. Could you, right now, get in your car or walk or hitchhike or take the CTA and get to Loyola University campus without a GPS? Fred, let's take a guess here. Uh, I would say 90% yes. No. Fred, I can't get anywhere without a GPS. I'm going to my uncle's Fred, house, who I've been to a hundred times. I'm punching it into I, the GPS. I thought, Fred, you were going to say 90%. No. 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 I'm going 90%. No. 90% could not get to Loyola campus without a GPS because, frankly, it's not saying anything good or bad. Most people don't know where it is. You just walk you, along the river. And what you if you're from walk, the, walk around the lake and you'll find it. If the river's there, we really got a story. Yeah, you walk across around the lake and you'll find it. What do you got there, Eo? It's tight. 51% uh, believe that they can make their way to Loyola without their GPS. I love it. Uh, plus or minus 3%. It's effectively a tie. Great, great job. Thanks, everyone, for voting. Let's take a break. When we I return, used to watch games up there at that little gymnasium. Eric Ostrowski's famous uh, Loyola mini-mix when we return. Miss a little, miss a lot. ESPN 1000. On the home stretch, Mike Murphy, Fred Hubner, welcome back. Going to play your uh, Loyola Ramblers little mini-mix from Game 3 in one moment. Uh, the game's here at 5 p.m. Uh, brought to you by the uh, Westwood One folks. Fred, 10 seconds baseball. Final thoughts here before opening day. I got my Cubs MVP prediction. Uh, jot down your White Sox MVP prediction. I have Wilson Contreras, I believe. The Cubs catcher every day. He started hitting a ton last year. Maybe Three. someone can finally figure out how to spell his name. <laughs> Willie. Wilson with a double L. That's right. And the L goes right past it, stops at Loyola. Uh-huh. Who do you have? Uh, it's hard to go for anybody except Jose Abreu because I'm not so sure. Avi Garcia might have been there last year, but mm-hmm. uh, I'm not going to take many chances. I'm going with Abreu. I'm going with the sure thing. People have been asking, hey, you didn't sell the segment. You didn't tell us where the heck if 50% of our listeners need to have the GPS to find Loyola Campbell. Where is it? Well, it's pretty simple. It's uh, it's called Sheridan, uh, right around where Devon is. Uh, Fred, the easier way would be what? Just make sure take, you're near the lake. Yeah, if you're near the lake, you take Lakeshore Drive as far as it goes. It stops at uh, Hollywood. You just stay your right lane, make a right to Sheridan. Yep. Sheridan takes you right there. Right there. You or can't coming, miss it. Coming from the north, Evanston or wherever, just hey, keep the lake on your left. And when you get there, you'll know you're there. Or you take the red line to Loyola. It's on, miss it. It's right on Devon, yeah. which ends right there, 6,400 north on the lake. That's where you get without your GPS. All right, let's hear. And uh, Rambler fans, here we go. Eric Ostrowski's extravaganza. Game three, go. feels great. I mean, it's it's so cool for um, the city of Chicago, for the University of Loyola, our, our guys. Um, 
to go through this journey, and it, it's really cool. I mean, it's it's been a surreal you know scene here with all the Loyola people here in Atlanta. Seven to shoot, twelve to play. Custer still up top. Now he drives, passes to the corner. Towns dribbles and fires a three, and he got it. Six seconds left. A whistle and a timeout taken by Loyola. But Marcus Towns with a huge three, and that puts Loyola up by four. Just seeing the videos go viral of Chicago and our campus, and uh, it's really, really cool, guys. I am so grateful to the young men and to Porter, of course, for doing this. And the horn sounds. That's it. And Cinderella will continue to dance. I'm trying to keep myself calm, but I know that I'm not. Defeat Nevada 69 to 68 in dramatic fashion. One of the things Custer said to me as he came off the court was, Sister Jean, we broke your bracket. I said, I don't care how far you break my bracket. As long as you've broken it, you have to go a little more now. And it's just, I'm happy for us, for my community, for Loyola, for the city of Chicago, and for the world. Because we have people watching us all over the world. You know, we got guys that they just have found a way and, and just believe and just feel like they're going to find a way no matter how it is. Cinderella will continue to dance. Good luck to the Ramblers. Fred, I jotted down so many things watching those games, and I have one thing I believe is sort of the uh, obvious key, but it's pretty interesting. Each player on the Ramblers wants the last shot, uh-huh. but they're all unselfish. And they don't care if they don't get the last shot. Well, the one thing they do have to stop is uh, they have to stop uh, not getting the shot off. It happened three times yeah. in the game the other day by when the clock went off before they were able to get a shot off. Mm-hmm. They can't do that anymore. Do you think uh, 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 Coach Moser is going to uh, shuffle that starting lineup with, uh, is it Crutwig, Crutwig? Uh, I think Crutwig will start. I think we'll go back to Crutwig, yeah. Okay. At least at the beginning. And then you can always go to Jackson if they have to. Oh, that was a sweet move by him, huh? Yep. The uh, halftime adjustment, well, as his, they say. Yeah, his head, his assistant coach Mullins, who was from, actually from Downer South, mm-hmm. suggested it, and um, Moser has got him there for a reason. So he, that's what they went with. Uh, great talent, great coaching. Uh, some of the uh, good hopes from above coming down. Great job there, Eric Ostrowski, with the uh, mini mix. Hey, want to thank our uh, guest today, Arthur Arkush, over at the ProFootballWeekly.com. And uh, Mark Potash, featured columnist, sprays all feels like nobody else from the uh, Chicago Sun-Times. And Eric, for all of his help, as always, don't forget the Loyola pregame show at 3 with Chris Black and Adam Abdallah. Then the game at 5 o'clock, brought to you by Westwood One, right here on ESPN 1000. I'm with Black and Abdallah tomorrow morning, 9 to noon, breaking it all down for you. Murph and Fred saying thanks for listening, thanks for calling, and uh, see you later, everybody. Ramble on! Sister Jean, we broke your bracket. Oh, thank God.